Welcome in everyone to Football Addicts Anonymous Podcast. Just Mark and I today. It's a, it's a Monday, so that's where we're at. A <laughs> um, lot of good football went on this weekend. Not sure how our picks will look when we get to Friday. Some ups, some downs, but uh, overall not terrible, I think. Got my uh, Cardinals shirt on, eight straight wins. Pushing for that second wild card. All right, let's get into the college recaps here. Roll through them. Dude, both Friday games were fantastic. Um, Louisville beats uh, UCF 42-35, and uh, this one was at Louisville. The, the ending was it all, was everything, man. Yeah, I mean, that was just ridiculous. I was excited, and then I was distraught. Um, for anyone who didn't watch... Malik Cunningham for Louisville threw a pick, uh, a deflection, interception to UCF. Gave them the ball back to go down and win the game, tied at 35. Um, and then the next play, Dylan Gabriel threw a tipped interception as well. But that one got returned to the house by Jalen Alderman there at the bottom of the screen, 66 yards for the touchdown. That ended up being the game winner. Um, so, yeah, crazy game. Entertaining. A lot, lot of uh, – Dylan Gabriel actually didn't really have as big of stats as he usually does. Um, I thought the Louisville defense did a decent job. I mean, they were getting scored on, but um, – yeah. Holding him to 184 yards it was pretty good for them. Alright. Um, good win for Louisville, though. Had a 100-yard receiver. Marshawn Ford, the tight end for, for them, for the Cardinals. And um, Braden Smith also throwing a touchdown. We actually had two receiver touchdowns in this one. Braden Smith uh, for the Cardinals and uh, for the Golden Knights. It was Ryan O'Keefe right there throwing a 20-yard touchdown to Dylan Gabriel, who scored yeah. three different ways in this one. We'll talk about Gabriel later. Yeah. So, uh, Louisville covered plus seven over 68. Knew there was going to be a lot of points. The other Friday game, while not as exciting, I thought was still a good game. Uh, the fighting Dave Muiz got the win. That's what we wanted. Um, Terps in Champaign getting the getting the win, twenty to seventeen over the uh, Illinois <laughs> Illini. Um, but yeah, I told you, dude. He's my boy, Talia. Talia is my guy. Um, he played outstanding and didn't turn the ball over, unlike Brandon Peters did. Tayon Fleet Davis did turn the ball over once um, for Maryland, but otherwise, it was a pretty clean game for the Terps, and uh, they eked it out uh, for their first Big Ten win on the season, and first time 3-0 and in quite some time. Yeah, 3-0, and I'm with you there. Quarterback play was, was really the difference <clears throat> in the ball game, and 
Illinois is one of those record doesn't look good, but they've had some tough games. They've played some, you know, people close and just uh, not getting over the hump. Well, they also lost to UTSA um, in one of those three, which we know we love UTSA. Our guy, Sincere McCormick, out there in San Antonio. But, uh, yeah, the the craziest play in this one was Casey Washington, receiver for Illinois. Uh, I don't recall who the guy was that fumbled a ball for Illinois, but one of their running backs, I believe it might have been McCrary, got stripped because he was holding the ball in the right hand going down the left sideline, which you're not supposed yeah. to do. Inside inside arm, got to carry that on the outside. So if it fumbles, it goes out of bounds. But carried it on the inside, got stripped by Maryland defense. Right there, there there's not that many Maryland defenders around. Casey Washington is right there, picks the ball up, runs it 30 yards for a touchdown, which is weird because he got, statistically he got, um, 30 yards rushing and a rushing touchdown accounted for that instead of a 30-yard fumble return touchdown. Um, Pretty funny. So, yeah, it looks really weird on the stats because he has zero carries for 30 yards and a touchdown on the stat sheet, So, which is always fun. A lot of sacks in this one, uh, specifically by the Maryland defense. You see... Three different guys had two sacks for them. So, great uh, night for the Terrapin defense there as well. Illinois did cover, though, plus seven and under 62. Let's go to Saturday's games. Number three, Oklahoma undefeated, beating Nebraska 23-16. Um, I know you want to talk about Scott Frost now, Mark. Well, it wasn't as ugly as uh, I thought. You know, I thought they were going to get beat down. So I think that's why he didn't get fired. But, man, um, there's there's no way he stays there right after this year. I just can't see it. <coughs> yeah, and uh, I think there's major question marks for Oklahoma right now. I mean, they haven't, besides their – Second game against Western Carolina, an FCS team, 76 to nothing win. Their other two games against Tulane and Nebraska at home in Norman have been one-score games. That is not good uh, when you're the number three team in the country, and they they actually moved down a spot this week to number four. But there's going to be an interesting decision uh, this week. They play again at home, but they start their Big 12 conference schedule against West Virginia. So, we'll have to see. West Virginia's, I don't know if they're better than Tulane. Um, I would think they are, considering what they did. We'll see what they did in a couple of seconds, but Yeah. I think uh, there's legitimate concerns that Oklahoma has a lot more problems than than a 3-0 and record looks like, especially at the quarterback position. Granted, Spencer Rattler didn't turn the ball over in this one, but uh, I think 
They need some offense. <laughs> More offense than what they've been getting um, specifically from him. But the defense played pretty well. Decently, anyways. Uh, Nick Benito, star pass rusher, two sacks on the day there, three tackles for loss, quarterback Curry. Nebraska cover, plus 22.5, uh, under 63. <laughs> Number seven, Texas A&M shutting out New Mexico, 34-0 now. Um, Zach Calzada got his first start for the Aggies. Pretty good, uh, other than the interception, but um, it was a nice game for him. Knew they were going to win. New Mexico's not good, so um, roll along. Those are the numbers that we kind of expected from Spiller. Obviously not, not a big um, competition like an SEC team, but these are the numbers we thought you know he would have maybe week one, week two. Mm-hmm, yeah. For sure. Um, a chain not getting that great, of, not having that great of a day there, but like you said, Spiller Spiller did it. Um, Demond Demas also with 100 yard and a touchdown. And um, that's supposed to be Moose Muhammad, not Moss. Uh, <laughs> which I was questioning. I, I didn't look it up. Um, I was questioning whether... That is Moosin's son. Because um, Moose, Moosin. That was my first thought. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. I'm not sure. Uh, I'll go with uh, Michael Clemens on defense. Half a sack, one and a half tackles for loss, and three QB hurries. I keep looking to the right for, for my sheet, but it, I... Had printer issues right before the show, and I, I couldn't get it printed off, so I'm looking off my phone. Um, A&M did cover, though. They got it, minus 30. <laughs> they, they did. Um, and under 50. All right, this was a great game. I was watching this one. Number eight, Cincinnati stays undefeated, 38-24 over Indiana. Um, this one was in Bloomington. Michael Penix, three interceptions, but that really didn't uh, deter Indiana's day. Um, they were leading for most of the day. Yeah. Uh -oh. yeah. <clears throat> because Cincinnati, again, struggled, especially in the first half. But got it going um, after Trey Tucker's 99-yard kick return touchdown. I think that's really what sparked it. Um, they also had a a fourth down red zone stop as well, and Ritter got going, stayed going, and uh, threw two touchdowns in the fourth quarter to take the the win by fourteen. Yeah, I mean, even on the Instagram live, I said something about Penix Jr. because at our tailgate, you know, we have we have one TV. I, I think I decided we need to have more than one TV. And we watched pretty much the first half and then flipped, somebody flipped over to the Oklahoma game because it wasn't a blowout and they were kind of more interested in that. And I wanted to watch this. And so Penix, to me, looked decent in the second half from the plays that I saw when I wasn't chasing my kids around. Um, 
when they were running wild. I saw them throw a few nice balls. I did see the nice uh, fourth down <clears throat> red zone stop for Cincinnati. And I think for me, like you said, it when I was looking at it and kind of following it live, um, the 99-yard kickoff return was a big momentum swing. Mm. Kind of everything. And I think that's what intrigues me about Cincinnati is look at Clemson and, and, and Oklahoma. They're not playing – the way that most people think they would. Cincinnati finds ways to win besides just one one person or one element, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, I think the first two games, Desmond Ritter played very well. This one, he didn't. The running game sort of picked him up, but I think it was more the defense, and like we've said multiple times, the, the special teams touched down as well. But really, I mean, the defense the defense was spectacular. Kept him in the game uh, uh, quite a few times and um, allowed them to find themselves on offense in a hostile environment, and which was said many times throughout all of the games on Saturday. Whenever a favorite was down, the announcers would always go to, well... They haven't been in this type of environment in two years. So, yeah, yeah. Um, it is what it is, which we, we've seen that affect both college and NFL games this season so far. Um, great game by wide receiver DJ Matthews Jr. for Indiana, over 100 yards. And also Peyton Hendershot was really a big factor, tight end there for the Hoosiers. Um I don't know. Who you want to go with defensively? Mm, I mean, I do like, like, Arquan Bush. Three tackles, two solo, two pass deflections, and an interception. I think he was the – was he the one in the, the red zone? Uh, I don't Might remember be. if it was him or Pace. <clears throat> I mean, <clears throat> you can't go wrong with Pace. Look at ten tackles, nine solo. Yeah. Tackle Awesome Yep, 90% solo tackles. Um, Cincinnati cover, minus four, over 50. Now, here's what I was talking about earlier. West Virginia upsetting number 15, Virginia Tech, in Morgantown, 27-21. I was praying. Braxton Burmeister, the Hokies, got a late pick. They had a chance. Um inside the the 10 yard line i believe it was fourth and goal couldn't get it done um but yeah the west virginia defense and running game was amazing in this one i mean they letty brown he opened the game with an 80 yard touchdown run or 75 whatever it was but uh we talked about him friday yeah I mean, he he was spectacular. I didn't think Jared Deggy really no. did that much other than the, the two, two touchdowns. Because, um, like I said, he did throw that interception late to, to really give Virginia Tech a chance to win the game. But, um, yeah, defense and running game for West Virginia is really what did it in this one. And... Uh, held Braxton Burmeister and the Hokie offense down. So. 100%. I mean, you look at the last four stats on the screen, it's West Virginia, West Virginia, West Virginia. 
Um, yeah, plenty of sacks there. So they spent time in the back backfield, which I think, excuse me, led to Braxton not having, in my opinion, a great completion. I think maybe if he goes 24 of 31, 25 of 31, they win the ball game, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And they just lived in the backfield, in my opinion. Yeah, Jared Bartlett. Uh, what a day! Three sacks, three tackles for loss, and a QB hurry to go along with five tackles and three of them being solos. West Virginia covered minus two. They were the favorites uh, under fifty. Number sixteen, Coastal Carolina, staying undefeated in a close one, twenty-eight twenty-five at Buffalo. Um, yeah, I was disappointed. Uh, I thought they would be. I thought they would cover uh, the fourteen. Really, I did not think Buffalo would be able to keep pace with them. For one, nor did I think the Buffalo defense would be able to stop them as many times as they did. Um, you know, I saw something in Coastal Carolina. Now I'm not taking anything away. From- Away from them, if that makes sense. But I saw a Kansas team that you know isn't the toughest. I think Buffalo, you know, his the old his old team would give Kansas a run for money. <clears throat> but I, I I felt like Kansas was able to score on Coastal Carolina a little bit too much than I thought they were. And I never thought Coastal weren't was not going to win this game. But I'm not. I guess what I'm trying to say, not going any longer is. Is Coastal any better than they were last year? I, I think they're worse. I mean, they lost a couple of guys to the NFL and, and graduation, specifically the, the one that I'm thinking of defensively, Teron Jackson playing for the Eagles right now um, mm-hmm. on defense was a monster for them uh, in their so-called Black Swarm defense. And I don't know if, if that's why... They've been in the close games with Buffalo and Kansas, but um, Grayson McCall doesn't look doesn't like he did last year. Last year, um, especially the interception that he threw was terrible. Um, it was right to the defender, and I think rightfully so. I don't know if he was yelling at Jamie Chadwell or not. He was yelling. He came off the field yelling at someone after that pick, um, saying, run the damn ball, uh, because that's what he wanted to do inside the five-yard line. Um, yeah, but, that, that was kind of an intriguing. I think if that's a – and they are ranked, so maybe they should get more publicity. But, I, you know, if that was like – JT Daniels coming off the field talking to Kirby, I think that would have been more mainstream ESPN news. He got a little bit of, of publicity, but that I did see that and, and thought about that. And you know, you know they're gonna have to play Liberty. Don't they have to play uh, Louisiana as well? Oh yeah, they, Maybe. Got, they got tough games coming. App State's on the schedule. Um, I, I'm not for. I don't see a perfect season, and in, in my opinion, yeah, they got App State, Troy, um, 
Those are really the two hardest ones. I guess you could throw Arkansas State in there as well. That's a three-game stretch at Arkansas State, at Appalachian State, and hosting Troy. Do they play Liberty? No, they don't. Okay. I mean, they could. They could. That schedule may be a little bit easier than last year, but I just don't think they're as strong as last year. Yeah, yeah. I don't see them losing anything um, except possibly when they go to App State. Um, especially because that game at Appalachian State is a Wednesday night game. Ooh. Ah, man. Yeah. Don't like that. Um, but it's like Thursday, Thursday at Arkansas State, Wednesday at App State, and then Thursday against Troy. So. All right. Um, Shamari Jones, though. For the Shants, uh, almost 150 yards rushing to help them out. Not a great day for Kevin Marks on the ground for the Bulls. And then uh, the highly likely combo, though. They both scored in this one, which I was happy to see. I was very happy to see Isaiah likely contribute for the first time, really, that, that I've noticed him contributing this season. Um, defensively, I go with Taylor Riggins for the for the Bulls. Seven tackles, all of them being solos, two sacks, and three tackles for loss. Buffalo covered plus fourteen under fifty eight. Love it, Michigan State Sparty rolling over number twenty four Miami at Miami. Uh, stays undefeated. They are now ranked. Um, Deer King did did put up numbers, but he turned it over four times. So uh, my thing is, if you have to throw fifty nine times, is Miami even to win a lot of ball games? And, that, and maybe that's not even a Deer King thing. That's just unless you have a Heisman Trophy candidate back there, don't throw fifty nine times. That's Tom Brady esque numbers or Kurt Warner when he was with the. Rams is last year. Yeah, no. Uh, Derek King, there is no reason why he should be throwing even over 35 times in a game. That's not the type of game Derek King can play. Um, I told you, I keep telling people, Derek King sucks. He's not that great. Um, especially, I think he came back too early from his ACL injury. Um being that he got injured literally in the bowl game in January, um, less than nine months recovery from that to play in week one. And, yeah, four turnovers in this one. Sparty was living in the backfield. And Peyton Thorne continues to impress, along with Kenneth Walker. Kenneth Walker is a stud. That is what I was going to say. Kenneth Walker put up deep, you know, Henry numbers like he was running for the Titans. I mean, 27 carries is a workload, 172 yards, 6.4 average is great. Three receptions, 17 yards, and a touchdown. And Mel Tucker is a defensive genius in, in, my, in my opinion. Yeah. And uh, like I said, Peyton Thorne, while his – Completion percentage isn't isn't great. Um, you know, he threw four touchdowns. That's all that matters, that you score points. So, um, 
One bright spot, I mean, we already said Derek King threw it 59 times, but Charleston Rambo caught 12 of his 38 completions for 156 yards and two touchdowns. Um, He's been on a few of the slides, and I also will want to correct me if I'm wrong, but I think uh, Bolden, Bubba Bolden's been on two of our slides as a, as a pretty good tackler as a safety, 10 tackles, eight solo, one tackle for loss. And we know Miami's secondary history. Um, maybe, he, maybe he plays on Sunday one day. Yeah, he will. Uh, off the top of my head, I don't have, like, a top five safety list. I'm not even sure what um, – I think he's top ten. We have maybe top five. I'm not, I'm not sure what year he is, but I'm pretty sure um, he is in the, the top five conversation at the safety position. So, um, I'll go Drew Beasley, though, for Michigan State. Uh, five tackles, four solos, two sacks, and two tackles for loss. Sparty cover plus seven, under 58. Barely. All right, their cross-state counterparts, number 25, Michigan, staying undefeated as well, destroying Northern Illinois, 63-10. to Um McNamara didn't have to do much. Uh, threw a, a long touchdown pass, ran one in on a QB sneak early, but really it was the running game. I mean, Blake Corum, Donovan Edwards, Hassan Haskins, all having great days. Just they just they ran all over. I mean, <laughs> you look at it. Michigan doesn't even have like eye popping defensive numbers, and it's because they just got out in open field and ran. Yeah. Cornelius Johnson, three receptions, 117 yards, touchdown. That's a almost a 40-yard average. Yeah, I believe uh, that that was the the long touchdown early. Or, yeah, in the second quarter, 87 yards from Cade McNamara there. So, yeah, I mean, I think this is this is what Harbaugh has been wanting to do. The entire time he's been there. Um, and now I think he has a quarterback that is capable of passing when they need to. But they're not going to rely on that because they're going to be running the ball the majority of the game. And that's how they want to win. Whether they can do that against Big Ten opponents, specifically Penn State, who I think... I don't even think it's a question. Uh, Penn State has the best defense in the in the Big Ten. People will say Wisconsin, but uh, Penn State beat, Penn State beat Wisconsin's defense. So, um, yeah, I think Penn State has the best defense, and they're gonna have to play Michigan because they're in the same division. So we'll have to see if if they can run on on Penn State's defense, which I think um, that actually is the weakest part of Penn State's defense is against the run. But, uh, Penn State is a really good defense, and I want to save what my opinion for them when we get there. Yeah, not a lot defensively. Nakai Hill-Green for Michigan. Uh, three tackles, two souls, and a tackle for loss. Michigan covered 20, minus 27.5 and, a half, and uh, over 55. By themselves. 
Kansas State rolling Nevada 38-17. Stay 3-0 for the Cats. Oh, man. I was sad, dude. Carson Strong finally got a loss this year. And Will Howard, I mean, he didn't have to do much. But um, I told you, if if KSU was going to win, it was going to be Deuce Vaughn, and, and he did it. <laughs> Just took the one thing I was going to say about this game. <laughs> hey, I'm sad because I did go Nevada, and I had a gut feeling that Kansas State was going to be tough at home. They always are. And I just went off the quarterback injury. We know Skylar Thompson was like the fourth-year senior because of his injuries. But Deuce Vaughn, we both said it. I, I did say it as well on Friday that he would have to have a big game. But what really surprised me, the key point of this game, was Will Howard's 12 carries and 56 yards for two touchdowns. Mm-hmm. I did not see that coming. I figured, you know, and maybe that was Nevada saying, beat us through the air, and that's why he ran. Um, but I'm sad about this game because it's a loss, you know, in the pick em call. Yeah. I still love Nevada. I still like their chances at the, the Mountain West. Um, granted, there's there's a couple of teams now that after three weeks I'm, I'm scared about with uh, in, in that conference. But uh, Romeo Dobbs had, had a great day uh, catching half, almost half of Carson Strong's um, yardage. Anyways, seven for 121 there. And, yeah, I mean, Carson Strong struggled. KSU was had a lot of pressure on him most of the day, and uh, Daniel Green specifically nine tackles, all of them being solos, one sack, one tackle for loss, and a QB hurry. I'll tell you this: moving forward, this is uh, Kansas State just never seems to be that name that you think of as a Big Twelve killer, but. We all know um, Bill Snyder was a great coach there for years. You know, they didn't win any national championships. But this is the type of team that can knock off Oklahoma besides in, in, in Iowa State or, or, you know, somewhat like a Texas in the in the rivalry. But when they link up, if they're on the schedule, I don't have the schedule in front of me. They are. This is that Oklahoma could really have some issues with. It's in two weeks, and it's in Manhattan. Whoa. <laughs> Mark my words. <coughs> we'll see if Mark backs it up and picks them in two weeks. <laughs> Reggie Selfield, three, three solo, one sack, one tackle for loss, one quarterback hurry. I like it. All right, KSU covered plus one and a half over 51 by two. Number 12, Notre Dame. Staying undefeated, 27-13 win over Purdue. Um, Jack Cohn looked like crap. Fifty <laughs> percent, a uh, lot of uh, decent amount of yards off fifteen completions. Did score twice. Didn't turn the ball over, but um, yeah, not it, it. Probably his worst performance out of the the three games he's played for the Irish. So Purdue's first loss. I would use um, a phrase, not sexy, but uh, Notre Dame got the job done, and I always talk about that being a sign of a tough team. And finally, we saw Williams, even though he didn't 
400 yard mark, but it still was 7.6 average. And then he got, you know, two catches and accounted for two scores. And that to me was what we talked about Friday. Get in, get into the rhythm that was what it was last year. And he was the difference in this game when, when the quarterback play wasn't good. Yeah, I was very happy with Kyron Williams finally showing some life. Um, Avery Davis also 120 of, of the 223 from Jack Cohn. I think that was on a, a long touchdown. I, I don't, I'm not sure. I don't have the game up with me. But, um, yeah, they, they continue to find ways. And an intriguing game this weekend uh, at Soldier Field against Wisconsin. That is going to be one of the toughest ones to pick. And yeah. uh, we'll see how we, how we pick that one on Friday. But... Jack Cohn's going to have to have more than 50% completion to, to win against Wisconsin's defense. I'm just going to say that. Tags. Uh, we established that Friday. Is it Tags cousin or – I think we said it was his brother-in-law. Not no, sure. no, it's his uh, – another nice game, though. Yes, yes. MTA, Myron Tagovailoa, Mosa, five tackles, two solos, half a sack, one and a half tackles loss, and two QB hurries. Kyle, Kyle Hamilton also, another interception for the All-American safety. I mean, the man's a beast. He, he is. <laughs> uh, he's good. He's going to be playing on Sundays for a while. Notre Dame covered minus 7.5, under 58. Number one, Alabama getting it done. 31-29 over number 11, Florida. In the swamp, um... Was very surprised with Florida. Specifically, Emory Jones. Um, all I have to say about this game is Alabama won. Didn't think it would be this close at all. And it was both the quarterback play for me for two separate reasons. Emory Jones is one athletic person. And what I would have to say about Bryce Young, he's um, freshman, right? Uh, no, I think he's a sophomore. Sophomore, but first time starting big games. The way that he gets the ball out of his hands is very, what's a good word? Intriguing, exciting, something that scout should look at. There was a couple times in this game he stood in the pocket facing down much bigger linemen and where people, I think, would have tucked or tried to go side to side. He waited, let it fly, hit the open man, one in particular right for a touchdown and took the hit. And just being able to, to stand in the pocket, poise, and the arm angle, quick release, Flick of the wrist, the ball's traveling 30 yards. He's uh, He's got some skill, I guess is the best way to say it. I agree. Like I said, I was I was surprised with Emory Jones, uh, how he and and the rest of the Florida running game was really established in this game. Malik Davis, Damian Pierce, um and Emory Jones chipping in 77 yards as well. They were able to run the ball against a pretty de- a pretty good Alabama front seven 
especially with the, the linebackers they have and uh, Will Anderson and uh, a couple of the other guys there. But as much as I love Georgia, I think this Georgia Florida game is shaping up to be a, a, a better matchup than what people think. Yeah, um, not a lot of great receiving performances. Brian Robinson with 78 yards on the ground there. Defensively, I'm going with Brenton Cox Jr. for Florida. Four tackles, one solo. Sack, tack, floss, pass selection, and a QB hurry. Love when you fill up the stat sheet in the special stats, not just tackles. Florida covered. Um... Plus 14 and over under 60 pushes. Um, there was actually, it was weird, dude. There was like three pushes on the uh, over unders this week. It was weird. All right, number five, Iowa. Undefeated 30 to 7 win over Kent State. Knew this one was coming. And. Yeah, I mean, Goodson, again, I mean, he just destroyed the the golden flash defensive line all day iowa is just a tough team i i I don't want to use expressions that are outdated but they are a bunch of it looks like farm raised boys that want to put their fingers in the dirt and hit somebody, if that makes sense. Yeah, they. I mean, defensively, they are just nasty, and offensively, like I said, I if they're gonna keep keep winning, I still don't like Spencer Petrus. I he's one of the quarterbacks I don't believe in, but. He's played decently enough, doesn't turn the ball over, and they run the ball, which we know, you know, Kirk Ferentz, Iowa, that's what they do. They've had running backs for days. They have all kinds of guys. They're a low-key school If you on the uh, RBU rankings. I would actually put Iowa, you know, in there. Somewhere in the in the top ten, I think the bottom of the top ten. I I think Iowa running backs are actually pretty decent, um, and I love Tyler Goodson. He's he's pretty much my guy from Iowa um, when I look at their team. Yeah, I think he can win um, running back of the year. In my opinion, he definitely has a shot. Yeah, Doak Walker Award. Um, Keyshawn Abram for. Kent State, though, he caught uh, pretty much three-quarters of Dustin Crumb's 185 passing yards. He had seven, six receptions, 138 yards, and a touchdown, uh, their, their lone score. I want to go Zach Van Balkenberg for Iowa, but I'm going to go Jack Campbell instead because he was the man that had the fumble recovery uh, for returned for a touchdown against Iowa State last week, and now he returns – for 11 tackles, three of them being solos, half a sack, and tackle for loss. Iowa covered minus 22 and a half 
by a half a point. Um, and then the under 56. Number nine, Ohio State beating Tulsa 41-21. And the score is not indicative of how the game went. Um, this one was close. It was at the end of the or with twelve around twelve minutes to go in the game, it was twenty seven twenty. Tulsa within one score. And then Ohio State scored with about three minutes to go to take a two score lead and then a, a pick six got the three score lead with about two minutes to go. So what is Ohio State? <laughs> there, Ohio State for me right now is just, just grouped in. There's three or four teams. There's like three glaring teams. Them, Clemson, um, Oklahoma, that you're just like, okay, we know that you can out-talent people, right? But it's almost a transition year. Besides Chris Olave, he's not throwing the ball. He's not even on here today. You know, the what's under center at Clemson and what's going on at Oklahoma. I think these are the hardest teams, in my opinion, to pick because they are talented, but I think that they're upset prime at any time of the week. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean... You already mentioned the other the other couple of teams. Ohio State, I was kind of surprised they didn't lose the game, even though it was at home. Um, but, again, their defense is terrible. They gave up 428 yards to Davis Brin. Um, they did pick him off twice and return one for a touchdown. But, uh, I mean, 428 yards to an 0-2 Tulsa team through the air. <laughs> they were lucky to win, in, in my mind. I'm telling you this right now. This is one of the worst picks, and I made some bad picks in my life. you got to own it up. I thought coming off a national championship appearance, having Chris Olave back, I know you lost people, but I thought you could get your defense better, that it would be a good pick for a college repeat. Um, I'm telling you guys right now, they're not making the college football playoff. Penn State's defense – will ensure that they barely score when they play them. I'm telling you that right now. Uh, one thing that I did see that a lot of people kept talking about, Travion Henderson, the freshman running back, I mean, monster game, 277, three touchdowns. That's huge. That's, that's Maurice. That's what people have been saying to do. I mean, C.J. Stroud is is not living up to – what Ohio State quarterbacks have been known to be um, the past five or six years. And now they, they have a guy in, in Henderson that can really tote the rock and sustain through multiple big workloads uh, like this game here. So... Defensively, I'll go with the the pick six guy, Cameron Martinez. Two tackles, a solo, three pass deflections, and the sixty-one yard pick six of Davis Brin. 
Uh, Tulsa covered plus 24 and a half and over under 61 pushed. Number six, Clemson winning at, uh, or no, this was in Clemson. Uh, 14 to eight over Georgia Tech. Again, this was one of the other teams you mentioned, Mark. There's a long weather delay with 32 seconds to go in, in the in the second quarter. That was, uh, yeah, yeah. And Tech had a chance to win the game or, or to to tie it. Um, they were down 14 to six on the goal line. Um, couldn't get it on fourth down. Then they got a safety. So it made it a six-point game. Get the ball back, and they couldn't get down. Uh, there wasn't enough time at that point um, to, to get down and score a touchdown. So. I think too often also everyone in the world, that includes us and, and people on ESPN networks, often focus about like, oh, my gosh, this is Clemson. Oh, my gosh, they're a powerhouse. Well, you also have Georgia Tech coaches. It's a new coaching staff. And people are trying to win ball games too. So I think some credit needs to go to other teams that are making these games close, as in they're coaching too and they're making their program better. But this is definitely just not – I mean, when you play, it's a conference opponent one, so let's think of that. It should be a tougher game. Mm-hmm. So you still did keep someone to eight points. But what is this Clemson offense? And for me, maybe it's a lot of DJ. For me, it's a little bit more. I think they lost a lot of receivers as well. And, and Travis Etienne is a, was a big part of the offense, and he helped him look really good against Notre Dame when Trevor Lawrence was out. Because if you can go for 400-yard passing against Notre Dame, I mean, you, you do have some skill, right? <coughs> Well, I, uh, I mean, yeah, they did lose guys, but you know they got back Justin Ross, who had a a great twenty nineteen season before his neck injury before the the twenty twenty season, and Will Shipley was regarded. I don't know if he's a five or a. He's definitely a four star at the very yeah, least. He's a five star, yeah. Uh, and he was regarded to be the next guy. Um, he was supposed to be just as good as, as Travis Etienne. Now, 88 yards, uh, 4.2 per clip is, is pretty decent. He also scored twice. But he was the guy that um, got tackled in the end zone for a safety. Um, I, yeah, I think DJ um, Uyunglele is is not doing it Uh Part of it is also the offensive line sucks. Well, that's the that's the big thing that we yeah you're right you hit that the offensive line is totally different because I don't think Dabble would be you know afraid of switching quarterbacks we've seen him do it. Yeah, I mean they have what how many how many five star quarterbacks behind him? <laughs> uh, so. <laughs> Yeah. I I don't know. They're gonna get tested um, in ACC. I, I, I don't. I'm not so sure they don't have a second loss in the conference this year as their second loss. 
I thought maybe they would run through the ACC after losing to Georgia. I'm not sure about that anymore. <clears throat> yeah, I mean the the issue is is they don't play necessarily any what, tough teams. What we would think as being tough teams. I mean, there are a bunch of teams on their schedule though that are they gotta go mid level. I think, or they gotta go to Raleigh Saturday. Yeah, they have at NC State. Um, I think there's about four games in a row, though, for them that are going to be tough. They got to go to the Dome to play Syracuse. They got to go to Heinz Field to play Pitt. And then they, they come home to play Florida State, who we've seen be tough, but we've also seen Florida State lose to Jacksonville State. Um, and then they have to go to Louisville. So, I'm not so sure they can score with some of these teams. I think especially deep. Louisville, especially Louisville. Yeah. Um, I would circle though October 15th at Syracuse. You know why? It's that in is, the dome. It's in the dome. Not just because it's in the dome. It's in the dome on a Friday night. Whoa! <laughs> and they they struggled with Syracuse when they had Trevor Lawrence. Yeah, so a Friday night game at Syracuse, I think. Better be watching that one. Um, <laughs> defensively, I'm going to go with Alex's guy, James Skalski. Nine tackles, four solos, pass selection, and three QB hurries. Tech did cover easily. Uh, plus 27.5, and under 53 is way under. Number 20, Arkansas. The Hogs staying undefeated, rolling over Georgia Southern 45-10. to uh, KJ Jefferson, great game. 366, three touchdowns. Not the, not the completion percentage you want, but um, that's fine. <laughs> when you're scoring three TDs and 366 and, and not turning the ball over. So, uh, I don't know. I haven't actually watched an Arkansas game this year yet. I, I got to see when I, when I want to watch them or not. Arkansas is doing exactly what you would call like a coach's identity. So Sam Pittman was our offensive lineman coach. He was recruited all those guys. They just are pushing people in the trenches on both sides of the ball. If that makes sense right now. They don't, they, it, there's nothing pretty about their games. They don't reel off like, these spectacular plays, they just, they want to beat you in the trenches, and it's his second year, and he's going to recruit more athletes to get, you know, more exciting football on the edges. So when I watch him, I just go, man, it's going to be a long night for your offensive lineman and your defensive lineman. Yeah, I don't I don't think any uh, other <clears throat> stats, I mean, Tra- Traylon Burks, um, really good game for him. Three receptions, 127 yards, and a touchdown. Most of that coming off of uh, the ninety-one yard touchdown <laughs> catch he had. <laughs> so good game for him. Um, it was weird though because you know not a lot of other guys had big 
receiving performances with your quarterback throwing 366 yards, you would think another guy would maybe get closer to 100 yards, but that wasn't the case. He spread it around off of his 13 um, completions, but... Yeah, uh, defensively, Trey Williams for Arkansas, four tackles, one solo, one and a half sacks, and two tackles for loss. Uh, Arkansas covered minus 23 over 53 by two. Very exciting game, dude. I was so happy the Tigers pulled this one out. 31-29 Memphis over Mississippi State. Memphis remains undefeated. Um, yeah, dude, I mean, Will Rogers, 67 attempts and 50 completions. He was money all day, but it was fine because the, the Memphis has one guy named Calvin Austin, the third, um, that can score anytime he touches the ball. <laughs> so. Yeah, um... It's amazing that he didn't throw an interception in almost 70 attempts. And I need to find out if his dad named him after Will Rogers, because that would be kind of funny if his dad's a country guy. But you, I mean, you said it. Calvin Austin III, just anytime he touches it, you better have people all around him. Yeah, and, and the 94-yard part return touchdown, kind of misleading because it was a weird play that when I watched it, I agree with Mississippi State fans for one and probably a lot of the general public that said, well, it looked like the ball was downed um, because right before he picked it up, the ref started waving in his arms to stop the clock for a downed punt. And as he was doing that, Calvin Austin just runs into the Mississippi State crowd uh, of players around the ball and picks it up and takes it 94 yards of the house. Really weird play, but um, it got the job done and it, it stood, so... Yeah, it was unique. <laughs> Uh, great game by Makai Polk for the Bulldogs. 11 receptions, 136 yards, and a touchdown. Brandon Thomas on the ground again continues to have solid performances day in and day out. <clears throat> that three, though, their three for Memphis are going to take them places, and quite possibly two in American. I mean, they got to face Cincinnati uh, eventually. I don't. Because. The American did away with divisions, so it's the best two teams. And I really do think Memphis has a, has a great shot, um, especially with the Dylan Gabriel news, which we'll say about here in a, in a bit. But I do think Memphis has a great shot at, at playing Cincinnati in the American Conference Championship um, with the triple threat of Sam Seth Hennigan at quarterback, Brandon Thomas at running back, and Calvin Austin at wide receiver. So... And defensively, I'm going to go Sanchez Blake Jr., 12 tackles, 7 of them solo, pass selection, fumble recovery, and a touchdown. Took that fumble recovery is a huge to the house, 49 yards. Memphis cover plus 3, under 64. 
Go dogs. <laughs> Go dogs. Number two, Georgia rolling South Carolina 40-13 to to stay undefeated. JT Daniels, what a comeback performance for him uh, after missing the UAB game last week. Uh, did throw an interception, but that's fine. Over 300 yards and three touchdowns uh, will make up for it mightily. So... <laughs> Yeah, um, a lot of takeaways from Archie Manning, little Archie being there, and the crowd just loving it and hyping him up. It's Arch. Arch Manning, but <laughs> I call him little Archie. Um, to JT Daniels coming back, I think Burton is doing a great job getting out. Uh, behind defenses. The one takeaway that I think is a negative for me in this game, I know that you only gave up 13 points to your conference opponent, rival, but there were too many times that South Carolina, in my opinion, which doesn't have the greatest quarterback play, they got behind our defense for a few <laughs> like for us not to give up moving forward. Um, but we got a junkyard defense, guys. And if people haven't seen Jordan Davis, <laughs> you all need to watch him. And I love uh, Shane Beamer's post-game news conference. If you haven't seen it, go look it up. It's hilarious. Yeah. Uh, I-, I liked the spreading around of, of the, the touches in the backfield. Um, Kendall Milton, surprisingly, with the, the lead in rushing in this game for the Dogs. But, uh, again, Zamir White has not been what I expected. Uh, I would like for Zamir to take it a little bit, and the running game as a whole, to take some pressure off of JT Daniels, which it did in this game. Uh, three backs over 50 yards. James Cook, again, scoring twice. Um, I really think he is our key <clears throat> key receiving back. So, Zeb Nolan got hurt in this game. Luke Doty came in, did a decent job, got uh, got the Gamecocks to cover the spread uh, with their late touchdown. So, unfortunate, unfortunate for the uh, for the dog uh, average. For, for their defensive points average per game, giving up 13 in this one. So, Small tidbit that I think is cool. Um, Zed Nolan's dad is the head coach at Oconee County High School mm-hmm. here in Watkinsville, Georgia. I didn't put them two and two together because I know his dad, great, great guy. Quarterback coach for him is also Brad Johnson, Super Bowl winning coach. Um, but I didn't realize that was his son. So very cool. Yeah. Yeah, I, I asked Nate if he knew of Cody County, and he was like, yeah. I was like, oh, figured. Um, great receiving day for Josh Van for for South Carolina. Three reception, 128 yards, and one of their, uh, their, their touchdown there. And, yeah, I did not know. Uh, I had never heard of Adon- Adonai Mitchell. I don't know if that's how you say his name. I never... I haven't either. And until this game, where he was just getting behind people constantly. So, defensively, who else? Nolan Smith, eight tackles, five souls, one and a half sacks, and one and a half tackles for loss. 
Jalen Foster as well for, for Carolina uh, with two interceptions, one off JT Daniels. And the one pass that Stetson Bennett threw, he threw it right to the freaking defense. I, I mean, that, <laughs> that was right to it. <coughs> Some of that, though, is uh, his height. He's, he's only a couple <laughs> inches taller than you and I. All right, uh, South Carolina, like I said, cover plus 31.5, uh, over 48. Number four, Oregon, not going to spend too much time on this game. Destroying Stony Brook 48-7, 3-0 Oregon. They moved up one spot to number three over Oklahoma this week. Anthony Brown not having to do much in this one. The ground game, the defense, Ducks had it all in this game. Starters were out relatively early. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, um, that starters were out early. Oregon is a contender if they don't have any hiccups. This is true, and the Pac-12 overall is not looking that great right now. Um, defensively, I'll go with uh, Verone McKinley, the third, three tackles, two souls, and two picks. Stony Brook did cover, though. They did cover because they scored once. Plus 42 they covered by one point. Um, and the over-under in this one, 55, it pushed. Because Oregon missed an extra point. All righty, the game of the day Saturday. The whiteout in Happy Valley. Got Penn State over 500 in their whiteout games to 7-6. and six. Uh, Number 10, Penn State, taking down number 22, Auburn, 28-20. Sean Clifford, I mean, efficiency, efficiency, efficiency. 87.5%, well, 282 touchdowns, um, and Penn State defense, man. Yeah, um, I'm going to say it right here, right now, I'm going to we already know that the, the the poll rankings are out. Penn State's beat two ranked teams, if people don't know that. And so, I, you know, I'm not putting them number one. Could they be 2A? I think they could be right with Georgia because their defense is that, that good. So, you know, if I was making a poll, I think it still would go Alabama. Someone's got to knock them off. Until, you know, they knock them off. Georgia, Penn State, those are my top three teams. Oregon would probably be right there in Oklahoma after that. <clears throat> and for me, it's exactly what you said. I believe in this defense. I watched that entirety of the Wisconsin game and was just blown away with the defense, and they haven't let me down yet. And I was waiting for Sean Clifford to have one of these games, and he did. I still would like him not to have a turnover and with 28 completions a little bit more yards but this is a good team it's hard place to play and Auburn was putting up 60 points and I don't care if it was against high school of uh, young boys you're still putting up 60 points it was Akron and Alabama State <laughs> Yeah, I'm I mean, a believer in Penn State. The, the one thing, like I was kind of foreshadowing earlier, 
I do think the way teams can beat Penn State's defense is by running the ball. Now, you have to have a very good back to run the ball against the defense because of how their linebackers play, Ellis Brooks, Brandon Smith. And Auburn has that type of running back in Tank Bigsby. That's why he got 100 yards and two touchdowns, um, because he is that good of a back to be able to run against those linebackers. He is young, and he is good, and he's got enough speed to be good on Sundays. But where Auburn lost this game was, one, the quarterback play. Bo Nix was terrible. Um, And also, you know, they had, I don't know, some questionable decisions. They didn't go for it a couple times in uh, fourth and short situations that I know Nate was getting mad at. Um, I will will say this, not to interrupt you. Someone told me this at the tailgate. another coach, and he's coached football and basketball at the high school level. And I said something about the first time I saw Bo Nix, like, I was really excited. I was like, this kid is tough as nails. He looks like he's going to be the next generation of, of a good quarterback there. And he told me Saturday, he goes, look, I'm not disagreeing, like, with your first analysis, but Bo Nix is a good football player, not necessarily a good quarterback. Mm. He's somebody that you would – it's almost like pick-up basketball. Like, hey, I want him on my 7-on-7 flag football team. Or you almost want him to go to a fight in an alley with you because if he gets punched in the face nine times, he's going to get up 50 times. And I, I, I think I'm starting to believe that he's, he's a good football player, but – Maybe when they move on from them, or I don't know who they have on the roster, could they get better success against top-tier teams? Because you got a great running back in Tank Bigsby. Yeah, I mean, we'll have to see what Brian Harson's first recruiting class comes out like um, this upcoming cycle. But, yeah, um, continue. If Bo Nick could ever figure out how to play on the road, yeah. Auburn could be a team, but um, he cannot. He has not showed that he can consistently play well while away from Auburn. Linebacker University, read off the stat, Penn State. Yes, sir. Brandon Smith, 10 tackles, six of them solos, tackle plus, pass deflection, and a quarterback hurry. Also, just want to mention the tight end. Dude, Brenton Strange had a great game. I called his touchdown um, on the Insta-Live. I was like, dude. Just wait. It's going to be a touchdown to a tight end here. Sean Clifford right in the flat to Brenton Strange off a of play action. Great times. <clears throat> and Arnold Ebikidi has been a godsend from Temple as a transfer. I mean, what a pick from James Franklin coming into Temple and getting him out of there. So Another, another <clears throat> safety before we go, Smoke Monday. Not only is it just kind of a unique name, eight – Tackles, six solo, two tackles for loss. Auburn, he's got to be on on some draft boards as well. Penn State covered minus four, under 53. Very happy about this game as well, just like I was with the Memphis win. Utah State beating Air Force 49-45, 3-0 Aggies. 
two-quarterback system in this one. I don't know if Logan Bonner got hurt or not. Um, I have no idea. I wasn't paying too much attention to this game because this was going on while the Penn State game and Georgia games were going on as well. But Logan Bonner, it doesn't matter which quarterback played. They both played very well. Logan Bonner and Andrew Peasley combining for five total passing touchdowns, over 400 Ugh. yards of passing, uh, and just one t- turnover for Logan Bonner. All I have to say is good, fun game besides I came out on the losing effort as well as Chris because we went with military schools. So did Nate. So don't hate it. <laughs> but 45 points for Air Force in any game is really good against a, in my opinion, the Utah State team. That is good. And how many times do you see an Air Force wide receiver over 100 yards? (laughs) Who also had seven carries for 32 yards. So I know that they lost, but Micah Davis had a game, guys. Yeah, and uh, Hazik Daniels threw it 12 times as well, uh, getting 95 yards on the the ground, two combined touchdowns. And that's a guy I really like from Air Force. Their quarterback, Hazik Daniels, is electric. Um, knows how to run the offense. Emmanuel Michelle, 133 rushing yards, two touchdowns. One yard behind him for Utah State, Calvin Tyler. 19 carries, 132 yards, and two touchdowns. And then another 100-yard rusher. Another guy I really like from Air Force. Uh, the running back, Brad Roberts. 21 carries, 113. Um, so a lot of rushing stats. A lot of stats overall. Which This reminded me of two powerhouse high school football teams from the south midwest or west coast going at it um i enjoyed it what i would say is what is utah state's schedule moving forward do you do you have it on there or you have to look it up on your phone i can get it relatively quickly but i think they have a chance you know we wanted a short show, so I'm not trying to put them. Uh, they have a the next two games are, mm, yeah, no, they're both at home, which gives them a, a good shot. But BYU. Boise State and BYU. Ooh, oof. Boise State has uh, took some losses though, but we'll see. The thing about the Boise State game though, that's a uh, that would be a. 10 a.m. local kickoff. Oh man! For for Mountain Time, so yeah. Um, and then they also have probably all their their only hard game after those two would probably be back to back weeks in November. Their second, the last, their their third, the last, and second to last games they go to San Jose State and they host Wyoming. So, Do you think they can go undefeated? Can they beat these teams no. with their quarterback play? No. Not BYU. They might be able to beat Boise State. I think BYU is better than Boise State. So. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> 200-yard performances through the air for the Aggies. Devin Tompkins, 9 for 188 in touchdown. And Brandon Bowling, who has been on um, – our, our slides before, 9 for 136 and two touchdowns. Defensively, I'll go Vance Sanford, 
for the Falcons. Uh, nine tackles, eight solos, and two sacks. Utah State cover plus nine over 54. Way over. Number 21, North Carolina. Another high-scoring game, 59-39 over UVA. Um, yeah, the, the really small font. There was a lot of stats in this one, just like the Utah State Air Force game. Brennan Armstrong, dude. Oh, my Lord. 554 yards, four touchdowns. He combined with Sam Howell to throw for over 860 yards and, and nine total passing touchdowns. Sam Howell also rushed for 100 yards. Um, so, you know, the quarterbacks alone combined for close to 1,000 yards of offense um, just with those two players. So. What, what a football game is all I have to say. And I was getting updates from people in the stands going, are you watching any of this? Are you glued to SEC football right And I was like, yep, I'm watching some of it. I'm flipping this way. I'm flipping. It was crazy. And yeah. that's, um, you know, I would love to see Sam Howell have 554 yards as I picked him for, you know, the Heisman candidacy. But he, on 14 completions, had 307 <laughs> yards and five touchdowns and then had another 15 carries and 112 yards. So if anyone ever says college football is boring, you need to watch a game like this. And I know I uh, picked Virginia. I, I do that. Typically in big games for teams that I uh, root for, check the Georgia games because it's almost a reverse psychology for me, and UNC came out on top. Yeah, his first three touchdowns, 59, 37, and 75 yards. Um, UVA did do a very good job, though. They were leading at halftime, 28-24. Um, it was really a, a tale of the first quarter and the third quarter for UNC, where they outscored UVA 21-7 to in the first, um, and then at the end of the fourth, they outscored them 21-3 to in the third quarter. Um, so I think those two really were the big difference. Ty Chandler, though, another amazing game for him. 20 carries, 198 yards, almost 10 yards per carry, and two scores. Um Josh Downs, Sam Howell's really only receiver that they that is as a legitimate playmaker for North Carolina. Eight receptions, 203 yards, and two touchdowns. Dontavian Wicks for uh, Virginia, also over 100 yards, seven receptions, 183 yards, and touchdown. And another guy for Virginia, Billy Kemp, the fourth, eight receptions, 106 yards, two scores. Um, three different tight ends scored. Two for UNC, one for Virginia. Um, and then defensively, I'm going to go uh, Timon Fox for the heels. One tackle, one solo, one sack, one tackle loss, but four quarterback hurts. Uh, UNC covered minus seven and a half, and it did hit the over. Over 67 
one of the highest ones of the weekend, and it uh, it accomplished what it, it set out to be in a uh, barn burner of a game. 98 total points in this one. Number 17, Ole Miss continues to score. 61-21, trouncing of Tulane uh, to stay undefeated. Matt Corral again. Did you know that Matt Corral is now the favorite to win the Heisman? Uh, because he is. Um, 335 yards, 7 Yes, seven combined touchdowns, three through the air, four on the ground for Matt Corral. I mean, this is, uh, this is, this is what we thought the Oklahoma two-lane game would look like, right? Yeah. This makes Oklahoma look very bad. Very bad. What uh, if Ole Miss wins the West? They are historically one of the few teams that have given Alabama issues. Um, I will say that, and we know that. And Matt Corral, specifically, I don't, I don't know if he's played him once or twice. I think he's only played him once, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but last year, I mean, they were they were giving Alabama fits because they, they made them outscore them. Four touchdowns on the ground, three through the air. That's insane. No turnovers. No turnovers. (laughs) That is insane. And what I like about Mississippi is revamped defense compared to last year. This is second year under Lane Kiffin. And they can run the ball. And we saw Florida give Alabama fits in the running game, which is going to open up the quarterback play. I'm not so sure that Ole Miss doesn't have a shot to win the West, barring injuries. Yeah, uh, Jerry and Ely over 100 yards on the ground, 15 carries, 105. Uh, didn't score because Matt Corral took all the rushing touchdowns away. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, they have a bunch of guys. I mean, Parrish had 64 yards on the ground for them as well. And then they had uh, Jonathan Mingo go over 100 yards, receiving six for 136 and a touchdown. Ontario Drummond scored twice, uh, one on the ground, one in the air. And, yeah, I'll I'll go with uh, probably a Tulane defender, though, for, for my defensive guy. Darius Hodges, eight tackles, four solos, a sack, two tackles, Swanson, two QB hurries. Thing is, is... If it would be an uh, SEC championship, Georgia Ole Miss, I think Georgia would be able to hold up. Yeah. Defensively, I don't think the offensive line could necessarily hold the pass rushers because I think the 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 coverage on the back end would be able to hold up um, well enough <clears throat> to get give the pass rusher time to get there. So. Ole Miss covered minus 14, and the over in this one hit as well. The highest one of the weekend, 77, because Tulane scored 82 points in this game. It was weird, dude. Like, there was a lot of high-scoring affairs in the the late window. 
All right, number 23, BYU upsets number 19, Arizona State, 27-17. BYU had its own whiteout in Provo in this game. Jaden Daniels was so-so. Um, you know, We've talked about it. Two picks. Jaron Hall, you know, was, was not that, that great either. But he did enough. He scored twice, unlike Jaden Daniels did. He also had two picks. And it was interesting. Gunnar Romney's brother, Baylor Romney, came in because Hall got injured. And what's he do? Has one play. Throws a touchdown. (laughs) To Isaac Rex, who I was very excited to finally see back in a major contributor role. Um, even though he only had 18 yards off two catches, but both were for touchdowns, um, Isaac Rex is one of my favorite BYU players. We we talked about BYU being different than last year, and we weren't sure that they were going to be this good. However, it's also a win against a team that we thought, man, high expectations, Heisman candidate type of guy, and he hasn't lived up to the expectations. For me... That's what this boils down to. That, that's not taking anything away from BYU. I probably will pick them in a lot of games moving forward because I believe in that defense. But Jaden Daniels just does not look as kind of the quarterback talk right now. Spencer Rattler looks okay, right? Yeah. Uh, you know – other quarterbacks, Sam Howe looked okay in the first game, looked better this weekend. Mm-hmm. Jaden Daniels hasn't looked that good. So, <clears throat> what is going on? Have we identified the wrong people? Did COVID make everything weird last year? I don't know. I think, again, it was that BYU crowd was crazy in Provo. Um, it was a hard place. So, I don't know. But yeah, love love to see Gunnar Romney almost 100 yard performance, six receptions, 95 yards, and touchdown. Algier not that great. Um, really, the only way Arizona State was staying in this game because it was a blowout early, and then Arizona State came back based off turnovers and um, the running game. Daniel Ngata and, and Rashad White really were the only reason this was even a 10-point game. Um, and I will say, what a what a play. I believe it was Gunnar Romney. Um, no, it was Tyler Algier. I don't know if you saw this play, Mark, but <clears throat> Arizona State had a pick. Jaron Hall threw an interception. Tyler Algier, who had, was on the ground because he chopped, he he cut blocked uh, a blitzer, was on the ground as the defender was running down the field. Algier ran him down. Tomahawk punched the ball out, and Jaron Hall dives in and recovers it, and it's BYU's ball again. First down. That was one of the coolest. That was one of the coolest plays. And to me, <clears throat> seeing that and then watching SportsCenter the next day, like how does that not uh, – you could put that frame to frame and be like the top ten play, in my opinion. 
Yeah, that is the definition of what a coach wants to see when you talk about effort. <laughs> you never give up on a play. Capital E. Uh, defensively, I'll go Arizona State. Defensive lineman DJ Davidson, four tackles, one solo, half a sack, half attack for loss, and a pass deflection. BYU plus three covers and under 51. All right, number 14, Iowa State demolished UNLV 48-3. Knew this was going to happen. Brock Purdy looked good again. They did get right like we wanted them to. They got the offense going. Brock Purdy, like I said, great. Brees Hall didn't have the 200 yards I wanted him, but he got 100 and two touchdowns. No turnovers uh, except for Purdy's one fumble. And uh, Xavier Hutchinson, 10 for 133, two touchdowns. Kolar had an excellent game as well at the tight end position. One sentence and move on. Brock Purdy was the type of play that we expect. Defensively, uh, Xavier, big game. Jerry Vaughn for ISU, seven tackles, three solos, sack, two and a half tackles for loss. <laughs> Iowa State covered minus 32, under 53 because UNLV didn't score a touchdown. They didn't score a touchdown, Mark, to get it over. They sure did not. Two points. That would have been nice uh, if Georgia would have just held South Carolina to three points. <laughs> then then UGA would have covered. This is true. All righty. Dude, I freaking told you. What did I tell y'all on Friday? One, Jake Hayner was going to go into the Coliseum and beat UCLA, and that's exactly what they did. I hate myself for not having the balls to pick Fresno State outright, but I told y'all he was going to do this, and he, I, I picked this game up in the third quarter, and I was so excited that I did because Jake Hayner played an amazing game. Toughness, toughness two, the entire game. Two things about this game. I couldn't remember if this was on our pick sheet. I had to go back to, to – uh, uh, the email for our games. And secondly, Jake Hayner's performance is like a movie that needs to be recreated. The guy was getting hit left and right. He was on the ground. He got up, grabbing his rib, and just boom, tossed his game-winning touchdown. It's like watching the um, Friday Night Lights with Billy Bob Thornton and all those guys just – Doing everything you can for Fresno State, you know, wins unlike the state championship in that movie. Just guts and glory. Guts and glory. And I felt so bad because it was like, dude, okay, they went down, they got the lead. UCLA drives back, scores, and I'm like, oh, my God, dude, Jake's got to do it again now. And he did easily. I mean, they barely had – any stops UCLA didn't stop him at all I don't recall on the final drive that they had I mean it was just wide open receivers the UCLA defense didn't have any answer for Jake Hayner and the the Fresno State receivers I'm so excited screw UCLA uh, I'm I'm so excited they finally lost and to a team like Fresno State who is now ranked by the way this this week um 
Fresno State could realistically be undefeated. They could be 4-0 at this point uh, if they would have finished that game at Oregon um, because that was a close game as well. So I think Fresno State, dude, the Mountain West is is shaping up to be something special this year uh, between Fresno State, Nevada, uh, Utah State, Air Force is, is decent. Um, we always have Boise State, San Jose State could be interesting. I mean, there are a lot of good teams in the Mountain West that could make some some uh, noise this year. But uh, Ronnie Rivers, another great game by him with 21 carries, 136 yards, and two touchdowns. Another thing I was happy about, Dorian Thompson-Robinson, not that great. He did score three times. Uh, I got to give him that. But uh, under 60% completion and turned it over once. Um Charbonnet, though, I was – it was weird. The UCLA didn't run the ball very well besides DTR, ran for 67 yards. He was their leading rusher. But Britton Brown only 23 yards and nine carries. Charbonnet only got six carries for 19 yards. Granted, he scored twice, but it was weird because they – the everything <clears throat> that they did the first two weeks, they completely went away from in this game. Different than – yep. And I didn't really understand because you knew Jake Hayner was was slinging it, and you could have limited the possessions he got by running the ball a lot, and they didn't. So, really for you, um, Jalen Cropper, what a game! Fourteen receptions, one hundred and forty-one yards, and a touchdown. Also ran one in from one yard. Uh, another Fresno State receiver, Josh Kelly, Josh. eight receptions, one hundred twenty yards. And then uh, two hundred yard receivers for UCLA: Kyle Phillips, one hundred thirteen off seven for two touchdowns, and Cam Brown, one hundred eleven off of five catches for a touchdown as well. Defensively, we're going UCLA: Bo Calvert, four tackles, two solos, a sack, and two and a half tackles for loss. Go Fresno State! They covered plus eleven over sixty five. Dude, I stayed up till one thirty in the morning here, watching this freaking game. That's how excited I was that uh, Fresno State was in it and uh, won. So um, I, I love Fresno State. They're they're my team. I fell in love in, with after only three weeks of college football. <laughs> All right, FCS game of the week number three. James Madison uh, took down number nine Weber State. I know Chris will be very happy to see this result. Uh, 37-24. Cole Johnson efficient. Uh, 177 and three total touchdowns. Two quarterbacks played for, actually three for Weber. Um, but, uh, yeah, not very many big eye-popping stats. JMU is the number three team in the nation, though, for FCS. So Yeah, we, we all picked this game and <clears throat> correctly and you know, it comes down to what we talked about last year with Weber, Weber State when they were winning ball games, and that was Chris's big, biggest argument. They're winning by two or three, and they're barely winning. They're not that good. <coughs> I think it kind of shows that they're trying to figure out that quarterback position. Yeah. Well, I was uh, – it was weird because – Bronson Barron is their usual starter, but he, 
I don't. I guess he's he was hurt or COVID or something because he didn't play. Obviously, he's not on the stat sheet. So that probably was one of the biggest factors um, why Weber lost, um, specifically by two touchdowns. But I will say my favorite player for Weber is their receiver, Rashid Shahid. Um, I know I missed an S in his name. I apologize, Rahid. Uh, or no, it is Rahid. I don't remember. I don't know. I don't remember if it's Rahid or Rashid. It might actually be Rahid. I don't know. But he's he is my favorite player for Weber State. He's very good receiver and also can return kicks as well. Shout out to uh, safety Josh Josh Sherat, eighty uh, eight yard fumble return for a touchdown. Because we don't get ESPN doesn't give us defensive stats for FCS games, so they give us tough, they give us who who had interceptions, fumble recoveries. They don't give us tackles, sacks, tackle for loss, pass deflections, and the like. NFL, here we go. Niners staying undefeated, seventeen eleven win in Philly. Um, yeah. This one, dude, I mean, the, the Eagles should have won the game. And it's as simple as that. They were dominating early. And really, I mean, the, the fourth down, what everyone's now calling the Philly unspecial play. Uh, fourth down at the one-yard line, running the Philly special with Greg Ward did not work out. And that was really the turning point, and the Niners never looked back. I think that I like that Jalen Hurts didn't turn the ball over because everybody was saying, well, you know, he's going to come up against a good defense and it's going to be different than the Falcons. Well, he didn't turn it over. Not great completion numbers, but at least he didn't turn it over and he was able to use his legs. Garoppolo used his legs a little bit more than what I thought. And you're right. Well, I mean, I don't know that you're right. In my opinion, I thought either team could have took this game. And, you know, San Francisco did just enough. There were plenty of tackles on both sides, but you have to go back to Bosa, you know, living in the backfield with two sacks, a tackle for a loss, and two quarterback hits. And that's what you want him to do. Yeah, we talked about that matchup on Friday at the end of the uh, preview for this game, and, and he got the best of Jordan Mailata. Um, you know, but you know, Jordan Mailata, this is only his first year starting at left tackle, so it's you know, I thought it was pretty decent showing for him in only his wow. second game as the starter. So it could have been way worse. I thought he did very respectable, and, and in my opinion, the Eagles and Cowboys are gonna are gonna battle for the division right now, barring injuries. Yeah, really liked. I, I, I liked what the Eagles showed in the first half um, until that point of the the missed fourth down. You know, hindsight's twenty twenty, but I know people were asking Nick Sirianni about different play call in that scenario. I agree. I thought that was not a great play. It was a risky play call on a fourth and one when they were already up. Um, it was it was eight nothing, I believe, at that point. And you know, you're up eight nothing. 
or maybe it was three nothing or seven three. I don't know. I think it was three nothing actually, three nothing. And it's like you're up three nothing. You've dominated the first half so far, and you're calling that play on a fourth and goal from the one. Did not like it that much, but um, like I said, hindsight's twenty twenty. So I already mentioned Nick Boso. So uh, let's roll. The Niners covered minus three under forty nine. Raiders upsetting the Steelers in Heinz Field, 26-17. Raiders one of two uh, undefeateds now in the AFC West that no one saw coming. Broncos and Raiders are tied for the lead in the AFC West. Who would have thought that? Um, but, dude, I mean, Derek Carr, they had no running game in this. Neither team did, really. Um, Derek Carr's balling, though. Yeah, um, uh, you know, Friday I told you guys, I told you my two best bets. I could, and then I text you the weekend. What about three best bets? And now I understand why we, you know, the different or three dogs. Sorry, I got it backwards. The two dog underdogs that I thought people should go for, being the Cowboys and the Raiders, <clears throat> and both did win. Um. Derek Carr, quarterback play. It it wasn't terrible on Monday night. He just had a red zone interception, and he balled out. And that was also people we talked about Waller being the third best tight end. He gets so much attention, in my opinion, that Henry Ruggs has the stats that he has, but that's the key for their offense right now when Josh Jacob is out, is he can stretch the field as Waller is double-teamed. Yeah, he scored on a long 60-yard touchdown um, that no one was covering him, really. But I will say people have to take this loss for the Steelers with a grain of salt. Their offense didn't play the greatest, but defensively, Joe Hayden was out at corner. Devin Bush was out at linebacker. TJ Watt got hurt in the middle of the game. So did their nose tackle, Tyson Alualu. So that's four key guys on the defense that were out. I'm not saying that's why the Steelers lost and why the Raiders were able to do what they did. I'm just saying that four starters are out on the defense. That's going to make it easier. <laughs> Two things before we change games. One is Raiders' defensive pressure on the outside is 10 times better than last season. And I think people were like, what is John Gruden doing giving up Khalil Mack? But when you give someone the reins, he turned that into a lot of draft picks. And, and are they panning out? I don't know. Leather good didn't look all that good, but – he at least has got the pass rush to respectable or even really good without Khalil Mack. Secondly, Najee Harris's stiff arm was nasty. <laughs> yes, yes it was. Um, <clears throat> already talked about Henry Ruggs, Deontay Johnson over 100 yards in this one as well. Nine catches, 105 yards. Juju scoring on the ground. Um and a lot of great defensive performances in this one. Two guys for the Raiders that I'll go with, though. Solomon Thomas, the former number three overall pick for the Niners. Two tackles, 
both of them being solos, two sacks, tackle flaws, pass selection, and three QB hits. And, dude, Max Crosby through two games, I mean, he's a monster, dude. The two sa- tackles, two solos, tackle flaws, and five QB hits. There's maybe one or two other people <laughs> in my that are leading defensive player of the year. I mean, it's only two games, but he's right there. Yeah. I mean, he may not have the sack numbers at this point, but like he said in his post game, he said, you don't realize uh, how hard it is to bring Big Ben down. <laughs> so, oh, big, he's a big guy, guys. He's a big guy. Uh, Raiders cover plus five and under 47. Panthers, baby, 2-0. I got my McCaffrey jersey on. Got the Panthers hat on. We're rolling, dude. We're at the top of the NFC South, tied with the Bucks. Uh, beating the Saints 26-7 in Carolina. Sam Darnold had his highest passing total since, I think they said, week 12 of 2019. Um, Jameis, I loved that tweet from the Panthers PR people. <laughs> they literally said Jameis, Jameis, Jameis apostrophe D. Uh, it was a great tweet, and Jameis Winston looked like Jameis Winston in this game i was very excited to see it mccaffrey over 130 yards total so both you and i uh were high on the panthers coming into the season i've talked to people about letting a coach really stamp put his put his uh his fingerprint on on an organization and the panthers have done that and the raiders (coughs) to to most extent have done that as well and they both find themselves 2-0, 2-0, and I, and in my opinion, knocking on, you know, the playoff door. I don't think the Raiders are better than the Chiefs. I don't think the Panthers are better than the Bucks. But there's no one else in the division, at least in the Panthers division, that, that I think they're right there, second in the division. And <clears throat> Sam Donald might not win comeback player of the year for the fact that people forget that you're allowed to changing scenery you're gonna have Dak Prescott probably win it because of injury I should have thought about that but he's playing a change of scenery has been great for him and his favorite target DJ Moore another big game yeah I'm sad that um Donald hasn't reconnected with Robbie Anderson uh for fantasy purposes I'm very disappointed by Robbie's stat line the first two weeks um he did score week one, but that was really all he did, and he didn't do much in this game either. But, yeah, dude, DJ Moore is just destroying people. Um, it did, I feel so great about my yearly awards through two games, dude. Matthew Stafford for MVP looks great. Matt Rule for Coach of the Year looks amazing. Looks great. Christian McCaffrey for Comeback Player of the Year. Dude, he has he has uh, over 300 total yards with through two games. Um so, I mean, and then, uh, I don't know, offensive rookie of the year, Najee's not looking that great. Defensive rookie of the year, though, I don't remember who I took. Um, uh, we all took Micah. Oh, yeah. He's, eh. But it's okay. It's okay, though, because I have a I have a bet. I already said this before. I have a bet for Odafe Owe with the Ravens, who has played outstanding through two games. So. Yeah, he has. I will say this, speaking of linebackers um, like My- Micah, <clears throat> in a losing effort, Demario Davis is, is, is still a stud in my mind. 
12 tackles, eight solo, one tackle for loss, one pass deflection. I mean, you can't do anything else at the linebacker position. Keeping McCafferty, McCaffrey, sorry, under 100 yards on 24 carries. Yeah, shout out to Brandon Zilstra catching his first career touchdown in this game. Um, the last touchdown he caught was in the CFL two years ago uh, for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. And also, Peyton Turner, first-round pick of the Saints, getting his first career sack in this game. The Panthers' defense continues to be outstanding through two weeks. Um, you can see Brian Burns, Hassan Reddick, Morgan Fox, all with at least a half a sack um, and multiple quarterback hits. Panthers cover plus three under 45. Bears winning at home in their home opener 20-17 to against the Bengals. Uh, yeah, Burrow, it was a disastrous three-pass stretch. Or a four-pass four stretch. I mean, three, three straight. That's really what it comes down to. And... And, you know, being a professional and, and, and being a national champion and being someone that I think takes a lot of responsibility, he he told uh, – I mean, he said it, it. It falls on me. It's not as if Justin Fields came in and beat him. It's not as if Andy Dalton beat him. The Bears' defense got it done. Yeah. I, I, and as we saw – you know, Fields threw a pick late. They score. The Bengals scored off of that um, relatively quickly. They had a chance then, being only down three. Um, but it just wasn't enough time at that point. And so the deciding factor was the Roquan pick six, and what a game for Roquan. I mean, eight tackles, wow. five solos, filled the stat sheet entirely. Sack, tackle, floss, pass, flex, and quarterback hit. And a 53-yard pick six. Thinking of defensive player of the year, I mean, he's by far first-team NFL defensive right now, but he could buy for defensive player of the year. Yeah. Um, Robinson, not too much going on in this one. Chase scored for the second straight week. Um, but, yeah, I, I mean, Justin Fields looked like a rookie uh, when he came in. So, I think Bears fans were kind of concerned, maybe, at that performance. Uh, especially because he threw a pick that, like I said, gave the Bengals uh, at least a chance to come back there. So. It... It goes back to you can you can say that's our franchise quarterback all you want in the preseason. We've talked about it. Second team, third team defenses. This was a first team defense at a crucial juncture of the ball game, and we saw what happened. It goes back to okay, the Bears won it. A, their defense played good. B. Is he really going to – and for the small amount of time, that's a lot of 10 carries for 31 yards. Right now, to me, it looked like if, if he was to start next week, that's like a Robert Griffin the third rookie season, and then someone's going to hit him really hard. 
which he might have to, uh, which we'll, we'll see uh, when we get to the NFL news what happened to Andy Dalton in this game. But, yeah, a lot of great defensive performance. We already talked about Roquan, Trey Hendrickson with a half, half uh, one-and-a-half sacks, three QB hits, and then Jalen Johnson, second-year guy out of Utah, four pass deflections and a pick as well. Uh, Bears did cover minus two under 45. A lot of close games this week. Browns, 31-21 over the Texans. Uh, dude, what what a stat line for Baker, dude. I mean, Baker and Tyrod, 90% completion. I mean, that's ridiculous, dude. Um, unheard, unheard of. You know, Baker scored twice. Tyrod scored twice. Unfortunately, Tyrod got hurt, which we'll talk about. My guy, Davis Mills, threw his first career touchdown pass. Uh, which I was excited to see in a losing effort, unfortunately for them. But uh, not ter- I don't see. That's the thing, though. Davis Mills, I thought looked better. Granted, I didn't actually watch Davis Mills. I didn't watch this game, but just looking at stats, Davis Mills looked better than Justin Fields did. Couple things about this game: worried that the Browns wouldn't win this game at one point, and I'm pretty sure I picked them as a lock. Or maybe it was the Broncos. It was one of the beasts. The other thing, Mark Ingram and Philip Lindsay look terrible with the Texans, in my opinion. You can say that Philip had five carries, but a reception and a touchdown, and they're getting older. They just they do not look good in Houston, in my opinion, at all. And Nick Chubbs, 11 carries, 95 yards, 8.6 carry, one touchdown. He's just solid. Like, does he have eye-popping numbers of of the other court, uh, running backs? Not always, but he's so solid. And then I'll talk about Brandon Cooks mm. quietly in two games having a really great season no matter who's under center. Yeah, 14 targets for Cooks, man. He's target monster, and... You got to shout out the fullback, dude. Janovich got a score. Uh, granted, he didn't. He didn't end up having any yards. Uh, I believe he, he. They said his longest carry was one yard, so he must have lost on his lost the one on a, on his second carry. But yeah, dude, Andy getting in the ends in there, and and Demetric Felton, the rookie, dude, UCLA running back, wide receiver hybrid. Um, his touchdown was beastly. <laughs> he broke about four or five tackles on that touchdown reception uh, that he had. So, uh, Defensively, I'm going to go with a former Eagle, Camu Grugier-Hill, also a former Dolphin as well. Uh, nine tackles, six solos, ta- sacked, three, and a half, three tackles lost, and a quarterback hit. Yeah, that's a big game, man. Clowney against his former team, three tackles, one solo, one tackle for loss, two quarterback hits. I'm sure he would have wanted a sack in this. And even though I know I said we'll talk about Tyrod, but it is confirmed Davis Mills starting against Carolina on Thursday night. Carolina 3-0. Yes, sir. And trust me, Mark, I know Mark Ingram. I have him and Philip Lindsay in fantasy. It was out of necessity. J.K. Dobbins got hurt. I didn't have any other choice. I understand, man. They just, man, it's bad. Uh, Texans did cover, though, plus 13.5 and over 49. It's got to be a scheme. 
Rams, your Rams, Mark Tuno, 27-24 win in Indy. Uh, and, dude, I mean, Cooper Cup. Still the logo. That's all I got to say. Dude, Cooper Cup is on fire. I mean, <laughs> dude, he, he just destroyed the Colts defense all day. <laughs> I'm not going to cuss on this. But if I would, to use a slogan, he made the Colts his, it starts with a B. <laughs> yeah, dude, Stafford was slinging it all day as well. Uh, I I wish, for fantasy, Stafford would get Woods involved more, too. Um, that would be nice to see, especially off of 30 throws. Maybe get 24 instead of 19 completions. Uh, I will say, though... Both defenses, very, very good games in this one. Um, Carson Wentz was running for his life all day, pretty much. And uh, Aaron Donald won the all-pro matchup between himself and Quentin Nelson. Uh, Quentin so, Nelson. So, There's a lot to unpack from this game, in my opinion. One, I loved what... I loved what um, Matthew Stafford said, which I now would probably jump on your MVP train. He straight told the media, it doesn't matter how you win. It's going to be ugly sometimes, and you're going to have to win ugly ball games." To me, that's, that's a sign of a leader because he's been in Detroit with not as much talent, and he's won ball games ugly. And when you look back on a season, especially if you can make it to the to the Super Bowl, you have to win ball games any which way. And the second thing is defensively. I mean, we could talk about a lot of people from both teams. Talk about Joseph Day. We could talk about Aaron Donald. We can talk about Leonard Floyd. I mean, we're talking about guys, nine tackles, a sack, one tackle for loss, two quarterback hits for Joseph Day. You already mentioned Aaron Donald. Leonard Floyd, look at that. A linebacker, six tackles, one sack, one tackle for loss, three quarterback hits. So these quarterbacks, both of them were enduring just people in their face and moving the ball down the field. And the Rams found a way. Yeah, and last thing I'll say about this, the Rams' red zone defense, I mean, it was outstanding. They stopped them with inside the five-yard line, I believe, twice. I think they're so. first or second in the league in red zone defense or third. And I was disappointed in fantasy for Jonathan Taylor. David Montgomery ran all over him week one. Taylor only 51 yards this week. Very disappointing. How's uh, how's that other running back contract they gave out? <laughs> one one reception for five yards for Hines in this one. I, I just don't understand that. Uh, Rams, uh, or the Colts did cover plus four, um, over forty eight by three. Bills blanking the Dolphins in Miami, thirty five nothing. Two zero went out early. Devin Singletary, Zach Moss. Josh Allen didn't put up the MVP-type numbers, but that is a huge win, guys. That is a division win after 
you know, supposedly being upset by the Steelers, even though the Steelers have a really top defense, top 10 defense, in my opinion, top five. And Tag come to or Tua comes out with a rib injury. I don't think it's serious. But Jacoby Brissett, mm-hmm. I mean, he did throw a touchdown, 24 for 40. Not terrible for a backup, but he didn't go anywhere. And that just comes back to Buffalo's defense, in my opinion. We know Stephon Diggs had, had a touchdown, but the Buffalo oh, defense, wow. A marvelous touchdown from Josh Allen. I mean, to find Stephon Diggs across, was, halfway across the field when he's rolling to his right and to find him all the way over there was amazing throw. The past... The three quarterbacks that have made me say, oh, drop my draw in the past four to five years have been Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, and Lamar Jackson. That's not excluding, you know, Hell Marys that I've seen from Aaron Rodgers or the precision and accuracy that you, you see from Tom Brady. But with their legs, it's like, oh, my gosh. Wow. Yeah. I really liked Devin Singletary in this game. Had a, a big touchdown to open the game. But yeah, back to Brissett, though. He was touted as being one of the best backup quarterbacks in the league. And he put a dud coming in in relief of Tua in this game. Against a quality Bills defense, but at the same time, you know, you can't get one, you can't even get a field goal. I was pissed fantasy-wise for Jason Sanders because, yeah, <laughs> but, uh, didn't get any points. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, you, know, you know, before we go, because it's 35-0, there's not a lot to talk about. Jalen Waddle has NFL talent, guys. He gets separation. You know, he got six reception, eight targets, not a lot of yards. And that's going to come, come in the future with getting a rapport with Tua or – Whoever the quarterback is moving forward for Miami, you and I both agree that the other, you know, tag brother for Maryland makes them good. I am not sold on Tua being a really good NFL quarterback yet. Doesn't mean he won't. I was suspicious about Josh Allen, and I think Josh Allen is the franchise quarterback for the Bills, but... Tua's got to he's got to play better. Got to stop getting injured. Well, His arm's flawed. I still don't like it. It'll open up this week. Brissett or Tua, it'll open up. Will Fuller is back. Had a personal issue this week. Didn't play. That um, so he's coming back this week for his Miami debut. Um, defensively, dude, Greg Greg Rousseau. In his, this is not his rookie year, I believe. I believe it's his second year. I could be wrong. You know I'm wrong about these things most of the time. But uh, he he has been solid. For, for a team, yes, it's his. No, he is, it is his rookie season. Okay, that's what I thought. He is also in defensive play, rookie of the year conversation, I think. They have needed a pass rush in Buffalo. That was their Achilles heel against the Chiefs in the AFC Championship game, and he has adequately filled that role so far. 
Bills covered minus three and a half, under 48. Divisional, the other divisional AFC showdown, Patriots beating the Jets 25 to 6. Did you know, Mark, over the last five seasons, the Jets, out of the two New York teams, are the only one to finish, to start the season one and one, and it's only happened one time in the last five years between both New York teams. Only one of them has finished one and one once. Zach Wilson had his um, welcome to the NFL rookie moment in this game. Uh, moments, I should say. Four interceptions, no touchdowns. <laughs> yeah, he looked good in the preseason, and it goes back to, to second-team versus first-team defense. We know what Belichick has, has has been like against rookie quarterbacks, so it was an easy pick. He just He's brutal on them. He doesn't even have to score a lot of points because he's brutal on them. <clears throat> and I will say this. One, maybe for Chris's sake and other Jets fans, I don't necessarily peg this as a Zach Wilson issue. You guys have major issues on the offensive line. You can't run the ball. You can't throw the ball because people are running for their lives. It almost goes by. You don't have another option. But you could kill Zach Wilson's career, at least in New York, by having such a terrible offensive line. I.e. David Carr. Um, <laughs> yep. But that was my stop. But um, I was it. I was happy. Michael Carter got a ma- massive uptick in touches in this game. Performed very well. Um, so I'm looking for that going forward. Again, going back to fantasy, I have Michael Carter in a, in a bunch of leagues. Would, would love to get him um, into a starters type of um, snap count percentage. Braxton Berrios came out of nowhere to lead the Jets in receiving and to lead the game in receiving. Someone uh, besides Corey Davis, yeah. Hunter Henry finally getting on the board. He led the Patriots in receiving with 42 yards. Uh, and then defensively, I don't know, there's a, there's a bunch of of good performance. It's Uche, Josh Uche, uh, second-year guy from Michigan, two sacks, two tackles, lost two QB hits, and then J.C. Jackson as well. Did you know, Mark, the list of people that have more interceptions than J.C. Jackson over the last two seasons? One person? Zero. No one. No one has more interceptions than J.C. Jackson over the last two years. So. I like it. I like it. I like it. And Andy's a free agent this year. Uh, Patriots covered minus six under 43. Hey, uh. Broncos beating the Jags 23-13. Like I said, they're, they, along with the Raiders, are the only 2-0 teams in the AFC West. Um, actually, they are the only two teams that are undefeated in the AFC, um, I believe. But, dude, what a, what a day for Teddy Bridgewater, dude. 328, two touchdowns, 76 and a half percent. There were two things I wanted to establish. One, Teddy Bridgewater has been and continues to be a playoff type of quarterback. Someone tell me otherwise. 
I mean, he did it for the Vikings. He made Carolina 10 times better last year. People thought they were only going to win two, three games. On the flip side, uh, Trevor Lawrence might be a bust. No, I'm kidding. You can't say that after two games. But the turnovers have to be an issue. And the reason I say this is Trevor Lawrence has always been around good talent. And I'll even go back to the high school statistics where he's never turned it over. He had some really good people on his high school team. Yeah, um, build of the quarterback is there. The roster for the Jaguars has been atrocious and continues to be atrocious. So what do you expect from a starting freshman, starting rookie quarterback and a freshman rookie head coach? Yeah, it's tough. And um, I go back to my thing is like, I think Trevor Lawrence can uh, will realistically challenge Peyton Manning's rookie interception record because he already has five through two games, um, and I believe it's twenty something. It's twenty eight, I think, for Peyton. I don't. But know. Peyton turned out to be a decent. I mean, I don't remember his <laughs> career. <laughs> but uh, yeah, the offensive line in Jacksonville is terrible. I, th- I think that's one of the biggest factors for Trevor Lawrence is is the offensive line just is cannot protect them. I mean, and it's weird because they have two guys specifically that are really decent at at worst. I mean, Cam Robinson at left tackle, and then they yeah. have um, uh, Andrew Norwell at guard. I mean, those two alone should be able to help somewhat. It's just the other three positions are disastrous right now. One thing that they do have is Marvin Jones is having a, a really good season, regardless of the issues that Trevor Lawrence is having. Marvin Jones, through two weeks, has, has impressed. And w- what a great game for Cortland Sutton. Didn't do much in week one. Big game. Monster game in this one, 9 for 159 on 12 targets there. Um, was excited. I called this Noah Fant getting into the end zone. He didn't have specifically the... Um, Yardage that I that I thought he was going to have against a, a poor Jacksonville defense, but he did get in the end zone there. Defensively, Von Miller's back on our on our stat sheet here. Uh, sacked two tackles, lost and a QB hit. And then uh, this is exactly why Jacksonville signed Jamal Agnew from Detroit. 102 yard kick return touchdown for him. The Broncos covered uh, minus six under forty-five. What? I I'm I'm eager to see this division because we both were high on the Chargers, mm. the Broncos, Raiders two and zero. We know the Chiefs are good. That they are. Um. <clears throat> Cardinals in a close one. 2 and 0 Cardinals though. Beat the Vikings 34-33. Greg Joseph's missed 37-yard field goal as time expired. But dude, Kyler is just a not destroying people right now. I mean, the man has 9 total touchdowns. 5 in week 1, 4 in week 2. 
threw two picks in this game, one for a pick six, but um, didn't matter. They got the win. I hate the turnovers because that's what's talked about, right? How many touchdowns does he have? But but he is turnover prone. He is turnover prone, and when you get deep in the playoff, not even a playoff, but in this division where you have good teams, when you get to that wild card position or you're buying for home field advantage, you got to stop turning it over. But boy, 29 of 36 is a great completion. But of those seven misses, how do you have two interceptions? That's what I want you to eliminate. You know that I picked him in week one and most people didn't. You know, he escapes the pocket, throws to Rondell Moore. That was 66 of Rondell Moore's 114 yards. But that's what I liked about Arizona was the receivers. They got DeAndre Hopkins, A.J. Green, Rondell Moore. Mm -hmm. Then you add J.J. Watt for the culture in the locker room. And so I have been high and I'm still high on the Arizona Cardinals. I think everything goes through the Rams the way that the, you know, 49ers – didn't score a lot against the Eagles, and then the Seahawks gave up a bunch of points. And the Vikings are just a uh, continue smorgasbord is a good word. Are you going to have a lot of penalties? Are you going to give up a lot of points? Are you going to have good quarterback play? It's one of those odd teams. Yeah, I don't have a list of all the 0-2 teams right now, but I would think the Vikings are either one or two on that list. Because I actually do think the Vikings are, are a good team. I mean, they have the, the, the pieces with Dalvin Cook. Kirk Cousins, for all the crap that Kirk Cousins gets, I mean, he is a decent quality quarterback. Uh, you know, he threw for three touchdowns, didn't turn the ball over in this one, and they still lost. So, and, and Dalvin ran for 131, didn't turn the ball over, and they still lost. I mean, it's tough. But, uh, yeah, all credit to the Cardinals offense. Even, you mentioned the receivers, but even, dude, look, I mean, Max Williams was six yards short of a 100-yard performance at the tight end position for a team that says they don't use the tight end position very often. Max Williams was seven catches for 94 yards in this one and caught all seven of his targets. But, yeah, this was the game for Rondell Moore to finally break out with his 100-yard performance and a touchdown. Justin Jefferson. K.J. Osborne has been a standout for the Vikings through two weeks as the third receiver. Really great connection between him and Cousins. Uh, Thielen, not that great of a game, but did score. And then defensively, Nick Vigil with the 38-yard pick six off of Kyler Murray. And then you got to go to Daniil Hunter with a three-sack performance as well. And Chandler Jones, you know, he he didn't have five sacks like week one. He didn't even have a tackle in this game, but still hit Kirk Cousins three times. So... The Vikings covered plus three and a half over 51. Not much to talk about because this was ugly early and often, and one team just put their dominance on them. But, but it was a three-point game, Mark. It was 28-25 at one point. The Falcons were rolling... Uh, Matt Ryan, 
was was going Cordell Patterson actually they they sort of had a a little bit of a ground game going but yeah I mean Matt Ryan did all he could against the Bucks defense and then he threw two straight pick sixes to Mike Edwards and that was the ball game no I I guess I should be more fair I think that the Buccaneers set the tone and then after a while got bored that's that's not okay because good teams shouldn't do that, but I just think they came out and said, okay, let's sling it around, have some fun, and then it was like, okay, we're bored, and then the Falcons did their thing. And then the Buccaneers were like, oh, wait, oh, we got we to gotta win this ball game and, and go home, guys. It's funny because it was 28-5, to five, but with a three-point lead, 28-3, huh. Great, great reference, right? <laughs> Tom Brady and the Falcons. Uh, but, yeah, dude, I mean, Brady, what a what a performance. I mean, five touchdowns. Nasty, nasty. Uh, two of them to Gronk, two of them to Evans. And um, I think that's a big thing to talk about moving forward before we, before we move off. <clears throat> I have your opinion on Kyle Pitts' second performance, but – Two things that I took away from watching half of this game was early on, Tom Brady said, I'm going to throw it to Evans, who had kind of a quiet game. And I think he's going to have to do that um, game to game because they have so many targets. Like, hey, I'm going to throw it to A.B. to start this game until you until you match, match up correctly. Or I'm going to throw it to Evans over here. And then in the red zone – we saw the first touchdown from the Buccaneers. He actually went to AB and he had Gronk down the seam and didn't throw it to him. And then right after that, they didn't cover Gronk again. And that's when I was like, the first drive of the game, what are the Falcons? Like, I know there's a lot of people to cover, but Gronk's got over a hundred touchdowns in, in, in his career. And you're just not going to guard him twice. Yeah. And so I think he picks and, chooses it they're even, they're even more scary if vintage gronk is back because he didn't do much last year until the playoffs two games and i mean he has four touchdowns yeah already so yeah i mean that's really unstoppable at this point um but yeah uh bucks roll mike edwards like i said three pass selections two pick sixes from 31 and 15 yards out and yeah bucks covered minus 12 and a half over 52 cowboys win a close one 28 17 greg zerline game winning uh what was it a 56 yard field goal or something like that 56 yard field goal um the buzzer Look, I I picked this game, so am I happy? Yes. Was it a – it was just a junk game, in my opinion. I felt like the Chargers were able to move the ball the way they wanted. This is the one thing that I will give credit to the Dallas Cowboys besides Dak Prescott. Their red zone defense is in the top ten of the NFL right now, and that's what won this game. Because the Chargers did move the ball, Herbert's got to stop turning it over. 
He had a turnover last week against uh, WTF. If he doesn't turn it over, they win this game. But Dak Prescott is a good quarterback. I I can't stand when Dallas fans go, he's not our quarterback to take us to the promised land. What more do you want him to do? He was 23 of 27, didn't get into the red zone. Okay, you can argue about that, but put you in the position to win. And the biggest storyline of this, it's funny that the Cowboys won and – Mike McCarthy blundered this game. Listen to his post-game conference. He can't see the clock. I talked to Kellen Moore, who had a camera in front of him. Guys, there's a lot more than two effing football coaches in the game of football. <coughs> and upstairs didn't tell him, and someone over here didn't tell him. He was covering face because the way Greg Zerline kicked Last week, I would not have left it up to Greg Zerline from 56 yards. Yeah, I mean, the, the penalties killed the Chargers all day. Uh, they got two touchdowns called back. And, yeah, I mean, I I hate Tony Pollard so much, with a passion. Going back to, going back to fantasy, dude, I mean, I have Zeke. Get off the freaking field, number 20. And I even tweeted out, early on in the game. It ended up not being a great tweet because he got he ended up with 18 touches for Zeke, but I tweeted out early I was like I had a gif that was like a rolling the eyes emoji. <clears throat> I was like, yeah, Zeke's supposed to get 20 plus touches in this game. Really? Yeah, right. <clears throat> like I said, he did end up getting 18. Um but <clears throat> Yeah, I mean, Peter Schrager said it on GMFB this morning. I mean, Tony Pollard looks like the better running back on the Dallas offense right now. You're not wrong. It's just I hate it because I have Zeke in fantasy. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I was disappointed by Austin Eckler's performance. Did get 95 total yards. Nine receptions was great for PPR formats. Um, so that that's what that was. But, yeah, Justin Herbert, the two interceptions killed him. Plus the penalties, Keenan Allen over 100 yards like he always does. Mike Williams has been surprising, though. 91 yards and a touchdown off seven catches. CD had a great game as well. And then defensively, I guess we'll go with uh, Asante Samuel Jr. He had his first career interception of his rookie rookie season. So uh, to go along with three pass selections. Then Micah Parsons played defensive end in this game. Yep. Because of the Lawrence's injury and Gregory being on the COVID list. But four quarterback hits. I mean, he played played that in high school, so he was natural. He knew what he was doing. I love the versatility. I love it. The Cowboys cover plus three, under 55. This one was definitely not under 55. Titans taking it in overtime, 33-30 to 30 at Lumen Field in Seattle. Um, what a what a game. I mean, Ryan Tannehill's stats are pretty good um, until you look at Derrick Henry. And uh, I also hate Derrick Henry because um, he was the I difference. was playing against him in, in many formats. And um, 100% in my opinion, Derrick Henry won this game um, from the tempo, setting up Tannehill. Russell Wilson did what Russell Wilson does. I mean, you're over 300 yards. The only thing he could have done is maybe had one more touchdown, right? 
Yeah. And that's... The Titans had no business winning this game. They had no business being in this game. It was 24-9 to at one point for the Seahawks. Like, it's it was the Seahawks' defense playing terribly. The Seahawks' offense not keeping their foot on the pedal, uh, foot on the gas. I didn't like the play call when they had the lead would be one thing I talk about this game. And the second thing is if you had about two more Bobby Wagners, they would have won this game. The man had 16 solo tackles, a sack, a tackle for a loss, and two quarterback hits. I mean, could you line them up at every position? You might have won this game. And 20 tackles overall, um, that was probably the most ridiculous defensive performance we've ever seen on the show. I think the penalties, I, I don't remember the penalties in this game, but for me it was all about the field position and, the, and what plays you were calling at that time. Yeah, I believe the Seahawks had over 100 yards in penalties. Um, that, that's, that's, that helped. You know, I think that's really what helped the Titans. Yeah, I was disappointed. Eric Henry's 180s. I was disappointed. Um, Julio Jones actually performed well in this game, over 100 yards. I uh, still am not a Julio fan. <laughs> another big game, following that up with some deep balls at Indianapolis last weekend. Every every week, dude. It's just, all right, moonshot. Rust the lock it. I mean, it's like clockwork man Frank- the, 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 you're right the seahawks should be 2-0 right now i mean they really should be and the time should be on too yeah. but that's the game of football right that's the game of football uh the titans plus six and a half covered over 54 another one that had the over the ravens offsetting the chiefs 36 35 in baltimore last night and let's go to the fourth and one call Fourth and one call, fourth and ball game. I agree with it a hundred percent. John Harbaugh asks Lamar, "Do you want to go for it?" <laughs> How many times have you heard me say that coaches get too much credit for this and that? Your job is to put your best players in the position to win, and a game on the line. One, that shows me the relationship you have with your quarterback. And two, you're coaching the right way. Because if you don't have that relationship, your ego will get in the way. <clears throat> Second, this was a – or third, this was a heavyweight battle. Like, it, it's just – it's Muhammad Ali against Joe Frazier, in my opinion. And this is what a Sunday night football game should be all about – Hopefully we see these teams again in the playoffs. You get you get it off your back. And besides the running back, because I, I just love how the Rams still produce, even though it didn't go over 100 yards with the injuries. All I can talk about is almost echoing Dan Orlo- Orlovsky from one snippet that I saw. Just a terrible first half from Mark Jackson. But the mindset to keep your composure and lead your team to win is MVP type of football. Yeah. I mean, they, the the defense for the for Kansas City had no answer for Lamar running the ball, 100 yards, uh, 107, and two touchdowns. 
And like I've seen from other people saying, I mean, this is Clyde Edwards-Lair's second year. He's a first-round pick. He was 32nd overall in 2020. Yeah. You can't fumble the ball there, dude, regardless of who's tackling you. I mean, and and it what – I don't know if it made it worse or not, but a rookie, Odafe Owe, was was the guy that stripped him and recovered the ball. Um, But I I do kind of agree with other people as well in saying, unlike what the Ravens did, the the Chiefs took the ball out of the hands of their best player in Patrick Mahomes. Oh, I agree. I agree. I mean, granted, you only needed a field goal to win – but why not just keep throwing the ball? You know, you nope. know you're going to be completing them. They didn't have many answers for Pat all night. He went 77%. He only missed six passes. First loss in September for him. First interception I, as well in September. I've always said this, like, or referencing watching Georgia or Alabama, you can't settle for field goals, keep your foot on the gas if you have the momentum momentum and just keep scoring i don't care if you're like no we just need to run it for clock or this no pass get points get points and that's what they didn't do the travis kelsey uh bulldozer (laughs) touchdown was fun to watch and you've already mentioned one of them but two defensive players rookie away three tackles three solos one tackle for loss one quarterback hit one forced fumble and a recovery but week one, Tyron Matthew was not there. I think it would have been even a different outcome for the Browns. Six tackles, six solo, three pass deflections, two interceptions, one touchdown. What a way to say, hi, I'm back this season. Anyone want to talk about me being a good defensive player? Yeah, open to the game with a 34-yard pick six off Lamar Jackson. Um, and I'll just... One more player before we go on to news. Marquise Brown, uh, I need to start starting him in fantasy because the man has almost 20 points per game so far. Uh, Really, I've been surprised at the numbers that he and Sammy Watkins have put up the first two weeks in uh, the Baltimore's run-based offense. Ravens cover plus three and a half over 54. NF, uh, NCAA news, just one thing here. Big news out of, out of Central Florida. Quarterback Dylan Gabriel talked about that game earlier. but um, Clavicle, right? Yes, broke his clavicle, which is so dumb. He broke it on the last play of the game when they were doing all those lateral crap. <laughs> And he got rocked, and, and I mean, it's, luckily for him, he won't need surgery, they said, which (laughs) I talked to someone else, and I was like, we need to get a medical expert on here to, uh, to, to tell me how, how do you break your collarbone and not require surgery? It just, in my mind, I don't understand how that anatomy would would work <laughs> but uh, sure why not no surgery for for dylan gabriel i mean it's definitely gonna help him get back faster but obviously he's 
more than likely done for the season, I would think. Being three weeks in already out of a 12-game regular season. So. All right. NFL news-wise, the Eagles, they signed, they paid another extension right before the game on Sunday. Or actually got this one done on Saturday, just like last week. But they signed defensive end Josh Schlett to a three-year, $40 million extension uh, that has a max of $43 million, $26.9 million guaranteed. Again, Eagles getting ahead of the... Um, Inflated 2022 cap situation. Trying to lock potential building blocks down right now at lower than market value of what they will be, um, I think, when it comes to 2022 free agency. So great job again by Howie Roseman. This one, the Mylotta contract, I like them. They're not overly uh, expensive. They're not overpaying for these players. And um, they're guys that they really like and they have developed throughout the last three, two or three years. So I, I like it. I think Howie Roseman is doing a marvelous job in Philadelphia once again. The Jets, they signed safety Adrian Colbert off of the Patriots practice squad. Now what's interesting about that, Colbert just started for, for the Patriots um yesterday so it, it's it's weird that uh not very often that you get a, a starter that starts in a game for a division rival and then getting signed by the another team in the division the next day so but he was on the practice squad he was one of the um pre-game practice squad elevations that you're allowed to do you're allowed to do two per um per week for the practice squad there the Raiders, they released corner Nevin Lawson. He should garner interest, I believe, uh, from some other teams. They're going to hope to get him back on the practice squad if they can. Um, just have too many injuries at some of the other positions they want to fill in roster spots there. The Eagles, we're going to stick with them for a little bit. Uh, they placed tight end Zach Ertz on the COVID list, so it's going to be Dallas Goddard, Jack Stoll, Going forward at the tight end position, possibly um, not sure how far along Richard Rodgers is on his injury. Um, might be able to elevate him if he is on the practice squad. The Eagles uh, defensive end Brandon Graham, he tore his Achilles. He is done for the year, heart and soul of the defense. Massive loss for that, them, but it does bring Josh Sweat back even more into the picture. He's going to have to be a bigger uh, factor on defense there for Philadelphia. Offensive line-wise, Eagles placed guard Brandon Brooks on IR today. Um, he has a strained pec. Luckily, he has a strained pec. There was fears that both him and Graham were going to be done for the year, but it's not a tear uh, a complete or a partial tear for Brandon Brooks. It is just a strain. So going to be out several weeks, but not season-ending there for their guard. Raiders, a bunch of injuries with them as well, specifically at the quarterback position. Quarterback Derek Carr, he injured his ankle um, in the win over the Steelers. Head coach John Gruden says he thinks he can play this week. 
Um, they're also dealing with having quarterback Marcus Mariota on IR. So, you know, if, if Carr can't go, that means it's Nathan Peterman this weekend. Um, that's, that's what it's down to. He's the only other quarterback on the roster at this point. The Texans, they have a bunch of injuries. Wide receiver Danny Amendola is out with a hamstring. Wide receiver Nico Collins, he's out three to four weeks with a shoulder injury. And then quarterback Tyrod Taylor, one of the many quarterback injuries this weekend. He has a hamstring injury. He is already ruled out for Thursday night football against the Panthers. Um, And then he is week to week going to be out a while, they said. Going to Cleveland, the Browns wide receiver Jarvis Landry. He has a sprained MCL. He's going to be out two to three weeks. They're hoping that OBJ will be able to play this week after not having played the first two weeks, still recovering from his torn ACL from last season. Um, The Steelers, they have a bunch of injuries as well. Linebacker TJ Watt, he has a groin injury. Um, Does have a chance to play this week, they said. So hopefully uh, if anything, he'll miss one game just like Devin Bush did and uh, Joe Hayden both missing one game with groin injuries as well. Both are expected to be back this week. Uh, not so good news for the uh, Steelers. Defensive lineman, specifically nose tackle, Tyson Alualu. He fractured his ankle. He is done for the year, uh, placed on IR. Steelers wide receiver Deontay Johnson. He hurt his knee on the final play of the game against the Raiders. Just like um, TJ Watt, I believe he does have a chance to play again this week. Not serious. Um, so. They dodged a bullet with that one there. Broncos have a couple linebacker injuries. Uh, Linebacker Bradley Chubb, he hurt his ankle. It is the same ankle that he was dealing with in the preseason. And then uh, terrible news, my guy, linebacker Josie Jewell, he is out for the year. Uh, He tore his pec um, in the win over Jacksonville. Uh, some other quarterback injuries here. Dolphins quarterback Tua Tagovailoa, he has a rib injury. Um, the x-rays were negative that they did at the stadium yesterday. And today they announced that uh, no cartilage damage was shown on the MRI, which is great. So Tua's day-to-day. We'll have to see if he can play um, this weekend. Bears quarterback Andy Dalton, he also got good news. Um he has a bone bruise on his knee. Uh, the MRI confirmed no ACL or MCL damage. So great news for Andy Dalton. But I still ex- would expect um, Justin Fields to start this week. Uh, I don't think Andy's going to be able to come back just yet. For the Rams, your Rams mark running back Daryl Henderson. He has a rib injury. Got an update during the show for that. Um, he has a rib cartilage injury. Uh, they do hope to have him this week, though, somehow. Uh, that's that's a tough one for a running back, though. That hurts. That's where you're going to get tackled. Yeah. I was excited, not, not, not for him to get hurt, but I was <clears> excited <throat> because if he goes down, there's only one guy left standing in the way of the Funks show. <laughs> 
Sony Michelle would be the starter if Daryl Henderson can't go. And then it would be Jake Funk, dude. I'm ready for it. I want the funk. Give me the funk. Anything with the funk. <laughs> I, do, uh, I just want to see, <clears throat> you know, some creative play call with our running backs that you used to see, you know, with Todd Gurley. Um, Jags wide receiver LaVisca Chenault Jr. He has a shoulder injury, is expected to play this week, though. Uh, and then the Niners, they're, they just like the Ravens have been decimated at the running back position. Um, Elijah Mitchell with a shoulder injury. Joe Michael Hasty has a um, high ankle sprain. He is week to week, so most likely out this week. Um, and then also the other rookie that they have, Trey Sermon, got one carry, concussed. Um, so he is in the concussion protocol currently. <clears throat> Colts quarterback Carson Wentz, um, people were making fun of him, and I, I kind of will too. He sprained both of his ankles yesterday. Um, and people are rightfully asking, how do you possibly do that? Um, again, this is why we need a medical expert on the show. I, mean, I have no idea how you sprained both your ankles. Game of football, you get tackled from both sides. <laughs> but yeah, um, they are waiting to see how he will respond this week to see if he will play or if it will be Jacob Eason, who played terribly. Granted, <clears throat> granted, it was against the Rams defense. But. That, that was pretty bad. Was pretty bad. Um, so with the Niners running back injuries, today they hosted free agents Duke Johnson and Lamar Miller for visits. Um, and a note about tonight's game, the Packers, they elevated wide receiver Equinemia St. Brown from the practice squad, so he will be joining his brother on the field tonight, Amon Ra St. Brown, playing receiver for the Lions, both of the St. Brown brothers on the field tonight. And then, uh, for Thursday's game, some update, injury updates, uh, Panthers uh, left guard Pat Elfline expected to be out, um, but they do expect to have running back Christian McCaffrey just deal, dealt with cramps um, during the Saints game this past weekend. So he should be good to go. Um, and then Texans quarterback Deshaun Watson continued to be inactive uh, regardless, uh, despite despite the Tyrod Taylor injury. Um hamstring injury davis mills will get his first career start on thursday night football in houston so. all right pick standings we've all picked the same team so far for the monday show uh yeah i mean they haven't really been that hard of a picks i i feel like i mean the 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 yeah, I mean, that one wasn't the Monday show, the, the Sunday Night Football games. So, you know, I don't think they've been that hard of picks so far. We'll have to get some the harder Raiders, games. The Raiders, you know, we all picked the Ravens and the Raiders came through. So Yeah, so. All right. Lions tonight, 0-1 at the Packers, also 0-1. And we're all on the Cheesehead train. Um, we got a lot of Packers friends here in Milwaukee. So, um 
I, I uh, expect Aaron Rodgers the ball. I mean, him and Devontae Adams, they're going to take their frustration on a depleted Lions secondary. Jeff Okuda, done for the year, torn Achilles, their best corner. So there should be no reason why Aaron Rodgers doesn't throw for 300 yards and three touchdowns. You took everything that I was going to say. If they don't win, I guess I'll go on the flip side. <clears throat> if they don't win, the Packers have serious issues and you're living in Packer country, and you need to tell people that. Because <laughs> after what happened last week, this is the prime game. Division, rivalry, secondary is depleted that you just ball out. And he's been saying all week on live TV, stop. None of us are even worried. This is our last go-around. But if it, 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 if it is another dud then you gotta press some type of panic button yeah he essentially gave the r-e-l-a-x speech again um in a different manner saying it's only yeah. one, saying it was only one game um that needed to calm down about the packers which i, mean, I agree i agree um i guess to my point it would only be two games but it would be two consecutive games that in my opinion, even I don't agree, I don't or I don't believe in the Packers' defense. You're still better than the Lions on both sides of the ball. Yeah, and uh, as Chris sent us the uh, a text, uh, a screenshot from Twitter, um, there is one gentleman out there that is praying to every single deity out there that he can find uh, for a Detroit Lions victory in Green Bay. Um, to turn $25 16-team parlay into over $700,000. Um, I am not praying for you, sir, uh, because I want the Packers and I believe the Packers will win, um, especially in at Lambeau. Um, so. I don't know what was going on with someone in our group message. I thought we usually have all iPhones. But I was Chris uh, making Chris a joke in there. Like, is that, are you talking about Rusty? But it didn't go through. <laughs> if the Packers do lose this game, and depending on how this season shapes out, you and I, and I think a lot of people uh, would, would assert that Aaron Rodgers is eventually going to move on. You know, not to, not to stay on it for an hour. What do you make of Matt LaFleur, though? I mean, there's got to be, like, it's second year. It's not working out with everybody coming back. Did they make the right hire? Well, for one, um, from what I've seen from Matt LaFleur, he doesn't seem like my kind of coach. Um, just, like, he's a little bit different than Sean McVay because, you know, I don't like Sean McVay either. Uh, but that's from that's from personally meeting him once. Uh, but Matt LaFleur just seems like he's quieter and a little bit stuck up. I don't know if that's a good word to use, but um, adjective to use, but um, that's just how I perceive Matt LaFleur. Yeah. The thing is, the thing about Matt LaFleur that I've heard before um, from people that defend him, and I agree, though, Look at what he's done. I mean, he's went twenty six and six in two seasons. No, I know, I know, I know, and that's the 
he he might be there longer than Aaron Rodgers, and they might have their guy. I think he I think he's pretty good offensively minded. He's he's gonna have to get better on defense, whether that's better players, better DC, whatever it may be. And I mean, they're they they've got to figure out the cap. I mean, because that's they're they're getting screwed. That's why they lost so many players this offseason was because they didn't have the cap space to sign them, like a Brian Balaga. Um, you know, they've lost guys like Blake Martinez in the past because they didn't want to sign them to long-term deals. And um, Makes sense. So, um, yeah, Packers 11.5 point favorite. Over-under is 49. I'm going over. Um, Do you think Packers cover? Maybe. Like I said, I expect them to come out hard and and strong against a weak oppo- weaker opponent. So, you know, I really I've said this today uh, a couple times that I think they they're going to destroy the Lions. But we've seen, you know, it's tough to cover double-digit spreads in the league unless you're the Bucks playing the Falcons. Which, this is similar... I mean, this is similar to that situation, though. It's just not as good of a defense as the Bucks. Yeah. Um, forgot to mention, though, uh, this one is 8.15 Eastern ESPN tonight um, in a little bit, about half an hour. But um, forgot to mention, we do have a college game during the week this week on Thursday... Um, it is two and one Marshall at two and one Appalachian State, a uh, a West <laughs> a West Virginia North Carolina matchup here. Um, App State is getting seven and a half points. Over under is fifty seven, and uh, that is seven thirty Eastern on ESPN Thursday night. Yeah, I like App State in that one. I know we don't pick college week games, uh, Chris. Chris sends me his pick every week for the college games, though, anyways. Um, Undefeated, baby. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I think App State will win. I mean, it, they're at home. It's on a Thursday night. Really good team in App State. I know you don't like Chase Bryce, but that's fine. Still a good team. Still a good team. Yeah. I mean, Marshall's decent, too, with uh, their kid that they got at quarterback that I'm forgetting his name right now. Grant something. <laughs> Thundering herd. All right, let's go to Thursday night football. We all picked the same team again, <laughs> so we're all on the boat together. <laughs> Panthers two and zero, seven and a half point favorites at the Texans. I should actually check that line right now just to see with the Tyrod news um, if it has increased. No, it's still seven and a half. So in Houston at NRG Stadium. And I just think, I don't think it's the offense. The offense has been very good with Sam Darnold and DJ Moore, Christian McCaffrey. Texans have played well through two games. But I think really what is going to win it is the defense, defensive line against the Texans' offensive line and having a rookie quarterback under center. Yeah. 
my first thoughts was, man, the Texans have played a lot better than I ever expected. Do I want to take the Panthers? Yeah, I'm taking the Panthers 3-0 because Matt Rule is a defensive coach. And if they are going to lose a game, I think it's going to be lost because the offense actually has a lull or a t- too many turnovers. I think the defense is primed to keep them in every game. And I don't see the Texans' defense being enough to be that first defense that that, that causes a hiccup. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I think... Davis Mills throws at least one interception because of the pressure. Uh, and and Hassan Reddick, Brian Burns, Derek Brown, Morgan Fox. I guess I could keep going. I don't I actually don't remember any of the other <laughs> defensive linemen that they have. But dude, I mean they should eat all night and um what before we move on, what worries me is the mar- remark that Bridgewater said about the Panthers when leaving. I don't have anything bad to say about the organization or coach role or the coaching staff, but we didn't practice a lot of, you know, red zone offense. And to me, that's still an issue this year. The defense is getting it done and they, in my opinion, should be scoring more in the red zone. So I still think there's something to that story. I don't think it's as big as maybe Bridgewater made it but um Matt Rule you guys should practice a lot of red zone because your defense is that good I think they did improve that though week two week one to week two I think they improved that a lot against uh what was supposed to be a very quality Saints defense um and turned out not to be in that game anyways but I think that was the biggest thing for Carolina was to get over that Saints win because right that was the first time since, uh, or no, that was the fourth time since 2006 that the Panthers had played the Saints without Drew Brees. Uh, and that was the first time that it was a meaningful game. Yeah. Because the other two times, two out of the other three times, it was week 17, Saints were resting starters. The only other time they played them in a meaningful game, Luke McCown started for uh, the Saints, and it was a tough game. So, it's what it is. Panthers are getting benefit of the doubt of having a a third-place schedule. So, it's great. I love it. Or uh, fourth-place schedule? I don't know. I don't remember where they finished last year. I think it was third, yeah. Because the Jags were Jags were last in the AFC South. Texans were third. So, yeah. Third place schedule. Okay. That's the end of the show. Got through it in three hours. Shouldn't have been that long. I apologize. We have too many games. It's my fault. Um, but, yeah. Next Monday, we'll be back recapping all the college and NFL games that we got. Uh, we'll also be previewing the Monday Night Football matchup. Early, massive division concerns here. Eagles at the Cowboys, and also the Thursday night matchup. Jags at the Bengals. Not as much star power there. Um, But, yeah, dude, Monday night football next week should be entertaining at the very least. 
Let's watch some Monday Night Football. <laughs> Don't forget to follow us on all our social media at FAA Podcast on Instagram and Twitter. FAA Podcast dot com is our website also check us out here on youtube and facebook and if you want to spotify apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, and the like uh let's get a Devonte adams first touchdown score tonight mr rogers please and thank you and we will see y'all for football friday